Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Realm and Ruin, a podcast that if you cut a piece of it, it would be a Warhammer cake. I'm your host, Matt, <laughs> and, jo- and joining me, as always, a guy so legendary they named a vehicle variant after him. It's Land Raider Cameron. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm trying to think what armaments the Cameron variant Land Raider would have. I, the thing is, I, I, I think it would be, you'd be have like a... Like a love cannon or something, because you know you're a guy Aww. that spreads a lot of love out there. You know, so I think I think you'd be almost quite a pacifist land raider, which I suppose is a bit of a odd situation. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. They have machine spirits. They, there's probably at least one land raider out there that refuses to leave the garage if they've you know put the las cannons on it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going out in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not in that paint scheme. <laughs> Are we the baddies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as we know, you know these universes are very grey areas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, just a quick apologies. I'm recovering from a cold and cough at the moment, so if I mm. splutter a bit, I'll yeah. try and edit it out as much as possible. But. Yeah. And I think even yourself, Cameron's a bit... Well, I haven't been sick. I just ate a lot of fudge (coughs) earlier. Uh, So (laughs) my throat's all dry. (laughs) Oh, man, we're prepared. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's because it's it's episode 13, you know. Unlucky for some. Lucky for us, because we're here and we're talking about that Warhammer. Mm -hmm. So... Right, talking of episode 13, what are we going to be talking about? Right, so as always, we'll get stuck into our hobby news, what we've been... Mm -hmm painting building reading and what we may not been doing and Mm. then we're going to go into a very large news section because over the last few weeks we've had a lot of warhammer news and quite a few controversial news Mm. subjects as well so it's going to be a big one this time yeah and then for the main law topic we're going to go to the 40k universe and talk about an overview of the officio assassinorum and give you guys a just like i said an idea of what those uh, guys and gals are up to and then that'll be the end of the show because we're not going to have a discussion topic on this episode purely because we know the news section is going to be quite long because <laughs> there's so much to talk about. Because oh we've got War- Warhammer Fest Europe, for example, and like a few of these, few of these controversial subjects that's happened. Mm. So we'll we'll mm. go through all that and then wrap up at the show. And also at the end, we'll talk about or give a few little details of a future giveaway that we're going to be doing as well. So yeah. Stay to the end of the show for that. If not, because you do anyway, don't you guys? Oh, but, you know. yeah, they absolutely do. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, right, let's get stuck into the hobby stuff. So, for mm. last couple of weeks, Cameron, what have you been up to, mate? So, I've done... I've actually done a lot of hobby, but most of it is non-Warhammer hobby. So, I will talk about that as well. But first okay. off, in the realm of Warhammer stuff, uh, I continue to do things to my night. I swear, guys, one day this thing will be finished, but I, I gotta get it right. <laughs> I gotta do it correct. Um, so of I just, yeah, I decided I didn't like the, the little breastplate they have sort of on the bottom of the torso. It's like, it, it looks too neat. It looks too imperial with that nice scroll work and everything. And I didn't want to beat it up because I don't think I could do it right. So instead I just, press molded the back of a Mauler fiend and stuck the carapace on there. So now it's got this big sort of distended swollen looking gut plate, which I felt nice. was very nergly. Um, yeah. So it's getting there. Uh, the legs are so close to finished. I just have to paint the <laughs> tentacles and they'll be done. And that'll be literally the bottom, like half of the night, a third of the thing overall painted, which will be great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably get around to working on the base, though. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what's your ideas for the base? Um, well, because I use the feculent Narmor to, like, build a large portion of the upper torso, the, the, mm-hmm. the feculent Narmor comes, because it's a terrain piece, it doesn't have a defined base, but it has, like, a base portion, so, like, a bit of yeah. terrain that it sits on, that actually perfectly fits on the night base, so I'm basically ah. going to have it striding over this maggot-filled pit with a bunch of tentacles waving around as well, so... <laughs> oh, Papa Nurgle's going to be happy. Oh, yeah. It looks pretty good. I'm very happy already. I need to, like, <laughs> muck it up a bit more, but it'll be great. Um, yeah, I've, so I've painted the legs more or less. They're more or less done. I've got to finish converting the torso. I've got to finish converting all the arms. There are so many bits to this goddamn thing, but it's still really fun to work on, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've started trying to finish painting my one feathered bloat drone. Because I started painting that like four months ago and I've still not finished it. I got it mostly <laughs> done. I was like, okay, I'll pick this up in just a week. And then I don't know what happened to the last four months, guys. It's just disappeared in my mind. <laughs> That's what Warhammer does to you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, life in general. But yeah, Warhammer has well, so that, much yeah. stuff going on. I'm just like, oh, wait, no, it's the end of August already. God, what am I doing? <laughs> well, no, but it's easily done. It's like I, I started on my Tau stealth suits ages ago, mm. and I just mm. I just noticed them like last night. I was looking, I was thinking... <laughs> They were oh hidden. God, I don't even. I've just, I've just <laughs> neglected these. You know, they'd be crying if they would. You know, <laughs> if you donate just two gold crowns, you two can help a stealth suit in need. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the greater good, honestly. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Um, there's something that I haven't put up any photos of yet, actually, which I've been meaning to do. But I took the spare Tempesta sign and spare Commissar and spare Gene Steel Occultist bits, and I built an Inquisitor who's dual wielding bolt pistols. Oh, um, yeah. Because uh, with the Tempesta signs, you get these. It's you can make regular silence or assign command squad, and the mm-hmm. leader of the command squad has this big official-looking greatcoat on. And so basically, I took that body. I stuck a Gene Stealer cultist head with the like the little nasal drip, uh, fluid tube thing, the the psychery mm-hmm. looking head you could say, uh, and then I gave them the Tempesta sign left arm with the bolt pistol, and then for their right arm peeking out under the coat, I took the plastic commissar augmentic arm with a bolt pistol, and sort of jammed that in there, and it fits pretty well. It needed a little bit of green stuff to like make sure it didn't look hollow, but. Uh, it's kind of just kind of standing there in a coat, pointing to bolt pistols. So I'll put up some pics of that after the show, probably. Nice. <laughs> um, I think he's pretty cool. I have no idea what I'll use him for, but he's yeah, built. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'll be a wrath and glory villain or something whenever I get around hey, to playing that. Yeah, I like that space. idea. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I still need to finish reading all those goddamn PDFs. There's so many things in there. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep adding to it. I'm like, please slow down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to order mine actually because mm. I couldn't afford the pre-order at the yeah, time, even though yeah. I was hoping to because of uh, baby-related stuff. Well, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to order the PDFs because they're actually quite reasonably priced. Mm. To be fair, I think they're available now on. Um, yeah, they are. RPG. Yeah, you, yeah, they are. Yeah, I think top of my head, I think like the core book is about forty US dollars. Oh, so not it's not, you yeah. know not bad. Yeah. I imagine. You know, I know the exchange rate for us, oh, you know, is not great at the moment. I know that's a different topic. We'll save that for later. <laughs> that's a precursor to mm. our news. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely pick, probably pick that up. And that, um, there's a campaign book, isn't there? 
I yeah. think I've got the name of it now. Uh, Dark Tides? Yeah, I think that's it. <clears> yeah. <throat> mm, yeah. That's about $15 or something like that. So again, mm. they're both reasonably priced. Yeah, yeah. I'm Look, I just got to find the time to read all that stuff <laughs> and figure out how everything works. And then I know I'll, I'll try and run the starter adventure with some of my in real life friends so I can actually work out how the game works and stuff. But uh, that that's future problems. Future hobby stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sticking with Warhammer-related stuff, I literally just two hours ago finished reading The Magos by Dan Abnett, and that yep. was a really good read. I'm really interested uh, to read Pariah now, which was published mm-hmm. previously to The Magos, but sort of set after it. Uh, so what it is, you get a very big book. What it actually is, is the first half is an anthology of a bunch of short stories, some of which were included in the Ravna or the Eisenhorn omnibus books. Uh, right. But they're all collected okay. together, and it's a bunch of new short stories as well. Uh, and they all tie into the actual novel of the Magos, uh, which I wasn't thinking too hard when I was reading the short stories initially. It was like, oh, these are all pretty cool. These are all nice. I remember that one, and I remember that one. Those are good. Oh, this is a new one. This is nice. Uh, and like, oh, and here's another one about the characters from the one that I just read. And another one about them. Are these guys important? <laughs> and, and then I'm like, wait, no, one of them's a Magos biologus. I, I myself automatically went, I, the Magos, this is about some kind of psycho, right? Obviously. Uh, and then at that point in the anthology, I went, maybe it's about a different type of Magos instead of a mag- Magus, which mm. technically is what I was thinking of probably. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil the book obviously, but it was a great read. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was... <laughs> one thing I really loved about the Eisenhorn books was watching Eisenhorn go from this young, bright, sort of starry-eyed young Inquisitor, <laughs> and he just gets older and tireder and more beat up and older and tireder and more beat up, <laughs> and now he's got metal legs. Yeah, he goes through hell, yeah, obviously. He does. Um, but it's that great, tragic hero's journey where he gets deeper and deeper into the radical side of the Inquisition, effectively. Yeah, he does. But he never quite seems to teeter over the edge, although, you know, demon hosts and everything, who knows. Mm. Um, (laughs) And this is him even tireder and even older. And I'm like, he's barely barely standing at this point. He's just held together by sheer fucking spite, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) And a bit of of duct tape, (laughs) that's about it, yeah. Yeah, and and it's really good because we get to see Eisenhorn from a newer character's perspective and basically the character walks in, like, sees him, talks with him for one, one, like, two-minute conversation and goes, God, he's really a fucking asshole. (laughs) 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 He's just so angry and tired. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've read the the original trilogy. I've I've got um, Mm. Majos to read, but it... It's, uh, I suppose to be fair to him, he, he's, he's been through so much. And mm, I think mm. one of the things I've always liked is how he deals with the other characters, his retinue, you know, his crew with him. Mm. They're always, you know, they're his sort of support network. He, to, yeah. he's not frightened to rely on other people to get mm. the job done. And, and to be fair, some of the situations they get into, he has to, he needs <laughs> these people and uh, his, his crew. So. No, it'd be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to reading that. So, so is it mm. actually? Because this is one of the things I was going to ask. Because yeah, obviously uh, on book three, Hereticus, he's mm. you know if you look at the front cover, he like you said, he is old and he yeah. is knackered. Yeah, and obviously the cover of of this one, he's you know back to young mm. <laughs> young mm. Eisenhorn. That's why I said I made a <laughs> joke about plastic surgery yeah, on our Discord. Because yeah. so is 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 that why 
because obviously it's some of some of the short stories of when he was younger is that yeah what? yeah so there right. there is okay. there is a short story specifically that's from when he's still an interrogator and then right. there's that makes sense. there's one or two with him as a young inquisitor and then it goes on and in the magos no he's even older and even tireder like you think back to like his old inquisitor model uh, with, the yes, shave, yeah. with the shaven head, with all the plugs and everything. That's him <laughs> in the Magos. He's just old and tired. He's got big metal legs, like, cause he's got the, <laughs> he's got the augmented braces because his legs are pra- practically useless at this point and everything. So. <laughs> he, he looks like how I'd imagine Commissar Yarrick to be by. Yeah. By yeah. Ways, right? <laughs> just worn out <laughs> and bitter and old <laughs> with a big clunky augmetic something on, on a couple of limbs. Yeah. That's about right. Um, yeah. Right. And it's a, it's a really good book. So when you get around to reading it, I'm sure you'll enjoy it and we can have yep. a more in-depth chat about it. Maybe. Um, I agree. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and the rest of my hobby, as I mentioned earlier, was technically not any games workshop stuff, but it was really good. From a modeling point of view, so I am going to talk about it here. Yeah, go for it. God, goddamn, Kingdom Death has good minis. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at end of last year, I bought into Kingdom Death Monster. It's a very successful, I'm going to say, kickstarted board game, uh, and it's a lot of fun to play. And I've just started playing it again over the last month or so. Um, and I finally got like the rest of the monster miniatures together, and they were so good. Um, the big one, the Phoenix is basically just a block of plastic. It's it's so <laughs> heavy. Because I'm, I'm used to all the Games Workshop stuff, like they're hollow pieces that you put together and there's a little bit of a seam between the two pieces, but it's fine. You can cover that up with a little work. And this they, this, they just went, no, big blocks of plastic, no holes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, it, it easily weighs one and a half times as much as the knight all put together. Really? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Like it, it is solid, but it is super detailed. Um, it was interesting because the Phoenix was really easy to put together, but for anyone who knows anything about Kingdom Death Monster, little tiny hands where they shouldn't be are a theme. Um, and so you put the Phoenix together and then you have 30 separate little plastic hands to stick all over the wings. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they are tiny and it's not always clear exactly where they fit in. So you have to do a lot of dry fitting, but it was a lot of fun. It was like a little challenge because it wasn't impossible, but it wasn't super easy. So I, mm-hmm. I I took my time. I put a podcast on in the background. I zoomed in on a few assembly guides and I piece by piece placed all these little hands everywhere. And at the end, I was like, I, di- I did it good. It worked out. Um, <laughs> a good thing with their minis as well is there's almost no little gaps uh, when you stick them together. They're very well mm. made. Uh, for the most part. And yeah, they're just a lot of fun to assemble. Uh, the game itself is super fun to play for anyone who's into board games and has a spare large amount of money. <laughs> like if you, <laughs> yeah. if you, if you didn't want to get into Titanicus, this might be more your speed. It's a little less expensive, but comes with a lot more physical stuff, I guess. Um, <laughs> I bet it's damn heavy as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the box when I got it was just over 20 pounds, so about 10 kilograms. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had to help the delivery guy get it out of the truck because I don't that's think he was like expecting double, it to be that heavy. Like, yeah, I mean, that's like double the Kill Team starter set because that's about five kilos with yeah. all that terrain. Yeah. Wow. To, to be fair, it's also a very big box. So like, yeah. it, it is it is fair to expect it to be heavy when the box is like, God, like two and a half feet by a, a foot and a half on each side or something. Oh, wow. it, it's a big box. 
it takes up a lot of space, but it's a really fun game. Uh, we've not been doing terribly, except for that one hunt where an antelope ate everyone uh, and bit <laughs> Batman's arm off. Um, because we named someone Batman. <laughs> now that's an interesting sentence. <laughs> well, look, we need we needed more furs to make it through the winter, effectively. So we had to go well, hunt yeah. an antelope, and then the antelope yeah. ended up hunting us. Um, wow, there's that one there. That one didn't go so well, uh, especially because that came that came immediately after we hunted a monster without anyone even getting hit. We were like, oh, mm. we're doing so well. Let's hunt one more monster before we finish up for the night. And then just, you know, <laughs> card comes up, crush and devour. What does it do? Oh, it eats you. And then you have to roll to see if you get out <laughs> in time before you get digested. I'm like, hmm, maybe this hunt will not go so well. Um, it's, it sounds like the antelope could be part of a uh, Sylvaneth force or something like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, God, could you imagine the... Uh, what is it, the Wood Elf Glade Riders, but all the stags have little undermores, these mouths where their ribcages <laughs> should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was basically my hobby, was I assembled a custom Inquisitor Mini, I did some night work, I, I read a really good book, and outside of Games Workshop products, I played a really good board game and had a lot of fun assembling the figures for that. Um, yes. Yeah, so that was good my hobby. hobby. Stuff. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Right. What have I been doing? I have, well, last weekend I was going to do a lot of priming because I was like, I'm in a priming mm. mood. I've got all yeah. these models that I've built. <laughs> and then the UK weather decided to scupper those plans by doing, mm. you know, a lot of rain and things like that. So that was out the window. So what I did is I decided, talking of kill team, I decided to put the terrain together, or at least start it. And oh my God, I didn't realize. And it's like it's like a rabbit hole. The man, when you start it, you realise how much terrain there is, and how, you know yeah. it's, it's gorgeous terrain. And mm. it's I love the fact how it fits together. Yeah, you know you yeah. can you know you can almost customise it to a degree. But there's so much of it, and it was one of those where I was looking in front of me all this terrain. I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing you know I've been at it for a few hours putting it together, you know, filing it down, getting mm. it all ready, and then. I was looking over the, you know, on the other side. I'm like, I'm like barely halfway through the sprues, and that's still. And, the, I'm like, and then my wife's talking to me. Like, she, she goes, "You still not finished that stuff?" And I'm like, "No, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a great, you know, it's yeah. a great problem to have because it's, mm. it's it is a shed load of, of terrain, and it is gorgeous. So, yeah. So I've, I'm about, like I said, about halfway through. My plan is this weekend finish the other half and then i'm going to i've got some lead belcher spray so i'm going to spray it with that and then i don't know i'll sort of see what what i want to do with it really mm. so yeah that's that's what i've been doing probably from a you know from a building point <laughs> of view <laughs> um also this weekend i'm going to try to put the three shade spire war bands that i have which is the mm. two that come in the box and the and uh, the undead one that i have as well mm. that i got spare because my a couple of my real life mates coming around next weekend and we you know usually find something to do they're not real like i think i previously said on an episode mm. they're not into warhammer but they're into board games so yeah. it's one yeah. of those things where i'm thinking i you know i've had shade spice for a month now and never played it so mm. i'm thinking right let's get these built even if i don't end up painting them between now and next weekend even if i just got them built because luckily they're all obviously all color coordinated anyway yeah. Yeah. so build them and so hopefully by next episode I may have said what Shade Spy is like <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, so awesome. <laughs> that'd be quite cool. Um what else? I've <laughs> I've 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 decided 
this month with from a budget point of view that I'm going to start looking into more airbrushing because mm. I find that my I'm just not getting around to painting enough because of time and yeah. you know other commitments but I think one of the things I struggle with is having the I don't know I suppose not not the ability but the actual convenience sometimes mm, and mm. you know there's sometimes where I think right I've got these models like like the example I just made about priming them I want to go you know and, right, I need to go prime them but then I'm like oh I need to go outside oh it's raining or it's oh it's been <laughs> humid so that you yeah, know that idea yeah. goes out the window so I'm thinking right sh- you know rather than buying some more models this month shall I end up just buying some airbrush stuff I've already got an airbrush but I need mm. to buy a compressor I've just ordered a respirator mask which is good to have anyway, even for yeah. spray yeah. can prime. Because I've been using one of those basic dust masks you see around, mm. you know. The, mm. the where, but I don't think they're particularly good enough. So I've, yeah, I've invested. So I'm gonna, oh, look, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Mad Max and <laughs> <laughs> and Darth Vader voices with a respirator mask. So. <laughs> so so yeah, from an actual building and painting point of view, I'm really you know I've only built like I said the kill team stuff, and I'm now sort of prepping for the next bit. So mm. um, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, from a reading point of view, I've not long finished um, Crusade and other stories. Um, mm. A couple of, I think this was a, about a week or so ago, uh, on Audible, the two of the sort of Black Library beginner books are called, like little compilations. Yeah. So they're from yeah. a 40K version, there's Crusade. And from Age of Sigmar, there's uh, Hammerhall. So... Mm. These these two have both come out on Audible. They're both really cheap anyway. You're talking books that are about sort of 13, 14 hours long, and they're about, well, over here, they're about £4 something. At the moment, they've gone on sale, so they're about £2 something. So I yeah. anyone listening that's not, that's not listened to either of these books, I can't say the Age of Sigma one yet because I've not listened to it, but the 40K one, Crusade and Other Stories, is really, really good for yeah. for the money. For two pound yeah. odd, and what or your equivalent, or four pound <laughs> odd if it goes back up to full price, it is very, very worth it. And I think it's even worth it, even if you are quite experienced in this hobby and from a law and story perspective, because again, it is supposed to be a a, sele- a selection of short stories for people, mm. you know, for mm. b- beginners to a degree to get into the forty k and Age of Sigmar universes. But obviously, predominantly, what's going on at the moment, like for example, it's set around the Dark Imperium, so it is modern day. Or current yeah. day 40k <laughs> um, i know that I know that's a weird sentence but mm. <clears throat> so what what i really like about this book is that yes crusade is the main you know so if you imagine the 13 hours about three of those is crusade the first book which <clears> is basically <throat> about the ultramarines and the death guard again continuing this whole dark imperium focus of those two particular factions you've got some really other interesting when you've got a lovely sisters of battle one in there where they're sort of basically dealing with like a, a seench nice. cultist um no it's 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 seench cultists but they're clones they're all replicants and things like oh, that which is really cool that's there's really a, interesting like it, honestly that. That, that's why i say it's <laughs> it's there's a few stories in here which are quite standard you're like yeah you're just mm. you know the usual sort of stuff that you expect but then there's a few in there you're thinking wow this is you know, if they expanded on this, this would be fantastic. Mm. So like I said, they've got that Sisters of Battle one. They've got, what about the Dark Angels? One about the Space Wolves? You know, this sort mm. of th- those sort of things. Um, the Space Wolves one from memory is about like Warzone Fenris, for example, I think, or the, the mm. aftermath of that. You've got this other one where it's Crimson Fist dealing with Orcs. You've got one about Howling Banshees. You've got one that's about, that's 
sort of self-narrated by Commissar Yarrick. And one of them that I thought was, you know, I was listening to, I think, oh, I'd love for them to expand on this, is this one where you've got a sort of a triple threat of Blood Angels, Necrons, and Tyranids, where you've got (laughs) basically the the Blood Angels and the Necrons having like an uneasy alliance to deal with Mm. the Tyranids. And then it's going back in the day where you've got this, basically this scenario where Dante is dealing with the Silent King and they're sort Mm. of, you know, trying to form this alliance. And then, but it's been, as well as that, it's sort of being self-narrated in the sense that you've got another character talking about the situation as well, you know, from the the Blood Angels perspective, but then someone else, you know, saying it from the Necron perspective, like, yeah, we were going to screw him over all along, you know, and all that sort of stuff. It's really, (laughs) to take on the Tyranids, it's it's really, really good. And Mm. I I won't say any more about that one because there's a few, there's one moment in it you're thinking, what? (laughs) When when you're listening to it or reading it. So, yeah, like I said, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend Crusade and Other Stories. Yes, it's a beginner book. But there's a, for for any of us that are you know really into this hobby or have been into mm. it for years, check it out anyway. It's it's definitely worth it. And again, on Audible, it's cheap as chips. Yeah. So go God. for it. You had me at Sisters of Battle fight clone zinch cultists. Yeah, that sounds it's, so it's, good. Oh my god. It's <laughs> yeah. I won't say much more about that because again, it's there's much more to it. But and again, and again, I think if I was going to get it, I know I've I've listened to the the audiobook, but I I think mm. because of the narration on it it you it will probably wouldn't be as good reading it i think you yeah, need to listen yeah. to it as well because of the the voice particular voice actors as mm. well so yeah definitely definitely check it out it's you know even if it's just one you buy on there it's it's <laughs> i thoroughly thoroughly recommend it i was very surprised by it i purely bought it because of the price and i thought you know yeah okay i wonder if it's just gonna be generic stuff and you're thinking yeah okay mm. there's a bit in there like whoa <laughs> that's not what i was expecting at all so yeah Definitely yeah. give it a try. Thoroughly recommended. Um, the next book that I've started is the new one that's come out, which is Lords of Silence about the yes. Death Guard. Excellent. Which Excellent. I'm probably about, I don't know, quarter of the way through. Mm. So far, fantastic. I really, really like this one. This is, I think, if I had to sort of describe it, if you imagine, obviously, for people that have read Dark Imperium, obviously, you know, that obviously concentrates a bit on the Death Guard in there. And then obviously we've got Plague Wars, Plague Wars, I should say, that's coming obviously, I think, later this year or early next year, which is the sequel. This, whereas obviously that focus, they're both those books are going to focus on the bigger story, whereas this one focuses particularly on a on a Death, Death Guard warband. And so, mm. so for anyone that's interested in the Death Guard, this book is perfect because it, it's like a very, it's like a microcosm of this particular a, a war band and you know, the characters so far are fantastic there's a lot of unease um mm. yeah you know it's I, again i can't really say much more without spoiling it <laughs> and it's only it's only literally come out in the last sort of yeah, week or so yeah um you can get it on hardback as well i think at the moment but it is it was straight away on audible so mm. Mm. again if you want to listen to it it's about 10 hour book so far so yeah yeah awesome. definitely you know it is looking very very promising yeah. i'm looking and, forward to reading that one so <laughs> yeah i i it, to be honest mate it'll be definitely your bag i would definitely oh, yeah. this is definitely this is a this is a very cameron book excellent excellent <laughs> so yeah I, I thoroughly recommend that at some point and yeah the only like i said the other other two that i've got which i haven't read yet is the, like i said the eisenhorn book that you were talking about mm-hmm. and hammer hall which is the the yeah. age of sigmar version of crusade so again i imagine that'll be quite cool as well but mm. we'll see so yeah i've got plenty to listen to 
So, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, being a bit mixed bag from a hobby stuff, but like, ah. like yourself, it's always down to time, isn't it? Time exactly. and money. The yep. two things we never have. <laughs> yeah, you get it. You get it. <laughs> I know. It's like the, the the teenager in in me is is fighting that. Going, no, stay up late and, yeah. <laughs> and paint stuff and read stuff. And then the adult version of me is like, no, I need to go bed. Well, <laughs> I have no I time. Mean, you'll be up all hours of the night in a month or so. So I know. I know. That's. <laughs> quite a scary thought but you know maybe that's what will happen maybe you know because obviously part of me is thinking well you know i'm a month away from having my first child being born you know is that gonna obviously impact my hobby time but then in a way maybe if i'm gonna get used to being on minimal sleep maybe mm. you know it'll it'll convert me into into well, a machine yeah, yeah. i'll be there churning out stuff left right center just, you know i'll I'm be just... feeding in one hand <laughs> you know, painting in the other yeah, I'm seeing you with like a little a little papoose on the front and the baby, and you're just busy painting a dark angel. Yes. <laughs> when you're old enough, oh. kid, this'll be you. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. So, yeah, cool. So, yeah, we've been up to a nice little mixed bag of hobby stuff. So we'll yeah. we'll take our first break now, and then when we're back, we've got a shed load of news to talk about. Oh boy, we <laughs> back <do>. soon. <laughs> And welcome back. It's news time. It's big news time. It's a lot of news time. <laughs> and any other thing I can describe it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have a lot of news to discuss this episode. GW has not been uh, sat on its laurels <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> We've had Warhammer Fest Europe, which if you remember, if anyone listened to our Warhammer Fest episode quite a few moons ago, Mm. You know, we had a lot of news to talk about that. We've got a lot more, plus extras and a few little controversial subjects that have mm. got to a few people, which we'll <laughs> we'll go into a bit of in-depth discussion about shortly. So, but let's let's start with something positive. Let's start with Tooth and Claw. So mm. it sounds like my favourite pub. Can you imagine it being like a pub or a bar? Oh, You're going to go cool. for a drink at the Tooth and Claw. Well, yeah, it, well, the bartender always gives you the best Fenrisian beers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I can imagine it. as soon as you take a sip of it, you just you instantly grow a beard. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another another yeah. good bar name would be the Canis Helix. I think. Yes. I like. Yeah, that'd be quite cool. I imagine that'd be an underground bar oh, yeah. as well. Mm. It would do with like specialist drinks and things like that. <laughs> Space Wolf Micro Brews. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh man! Give me, someone, give me a point of the fang. <laughs> someone, please, someone, please do this. Games Workshop. If that's, yeah. not, a, if that's not a Bugman's by next year's Warhammer Fest, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, get inspired. <laughs> so, Tooth and Claw. What is Tooth and Claw? It is the well, as of today, it should be out. Yeah, I'm on the mm-hmm. website now. So uh, yep, today's yep. Saturday recording, and it is out. It is the next 40k box set. Very similar to yeah. Forge Bane. That we had, mm. you know, a few months ago, which was Admech, and, and it was Admech and Necrons. Necrons that was it. Yes. I should know that. And <laughs> <laughs> this one is Space Wolves and Gene Stealer Cults. Yeah. So, yeah, what's your what's your thoughts on this, Cameron? Do you like uh, the look of this one? I like the look of this one. Uh, this one is really cool for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, it's been about a year since they, since Eighth Edition came out, and this is our third technically kind of a starter box box, which is pretty cool because we mm-hmm. have options because you know you have dark imperium with 
the whole kit and caboodle, everything you need, plus a whole bunch of Death Guard and a whole bunch of generic Space Marines. You've got Forge Bane with Admech with Knights attached and a pretty good Necron Force. And now you have Tooth and Claw with a pretty good Gene Stealer Cult Starter Force, plus a pretty yep. decent Space Wolves Primaris Force. Um, I'm just, I'm just happy it seems to be full kits for everything, as far as I can tell, including the Redemption yeah, Dreadnought. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Pretty cool. Uh, there's a Space Wolves exclusive Primaris battle leader, which is Lieutenant, basically. Pretty cool. Yeah, he's um, called Haldor Ice Pelt. Yeah, and sip of my drink. <clears throat> I am very much looking forward to what this sets up for the future. Because Forge Bane had a couple interesting story beats to it. You know, the Adeptus Mechanicus are fighting the Necrons over Blackstone in an attempt to seal the Great Rift, effectively. Yep. But this one is, there is a world called Vigilus, smack bang in the middle of the only safe route between the Imperium regular and the Dark Imperium. This this is basically the new Cadia, <laughs> one could yep. call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has a Gene Stealer cult infestation. It has the Black Legion. It has the Orcs. Yeah, of course the Orcs are there. <laughs> all, all the same. What's that? There's a fight going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what I really like is the Gene Stealer Colts, no one knew they were there until the Orcs attacked and all the Gene Stealer Colts went, actually, no, we do own this planet. <laughs> so we have to start, we have to start our rebellion early. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, it's like, you know, the forces of chaos are attacking. That's fine. And Orc War appears and then suddenly half the PDF grows, you know, a third arm and a little face plate thing. <laughs> <laughs> And now you're not fighting one enemy, you're not even fighting two enemies, you're fighting three, half of which are in- Oh, hit my microphone. Half of which are within your own ranks. And I'm like, it sets the stage for an interesting thing, and they're already building on top of that um, with something yeah. else we'll talk about later in the news with Speed Freaks. Um, yep. And I think it's interesting, um, this is also connects to Kill Team, because this is connected directly with the Kill Team starter box, which is Dean Silicolts versus Admech. Uh, yep. The idea being that when the cults uprisings first started, Admech kill teams were sent down into the bottoms of the city hives to try and root out the gene stealers, but couldn't find them, so they had to call in the space wolves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Well, uh, and I think that's cool that we've got this very solidified narrative. Like Forgebane was interesting and had a tangential tie to what uh, to what was going on in the setting as a whole. But this mm -hmm. feels like they have a solid point to focus on. This is yeah. what is going on now. Vigilus is where it's at for big story d developments, potentially, mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Well, like, like you said, because of obviously what's happened to Cadia, there needs to be almost like a replacement of sorts. Mm. And I suppose yeah. they do need to expand the universe. Obviously, we've we've had Dark Imperium which is obviously we've got the, the Great Rift and things like that. You know, the the, the universe is completely changed over this, mm. you know, since Dark Imperium's come along. So, yeah, push it forward. Let's, let's, let's actually start having some new stories that revolve around this and actually some new campaigns mm. and things yeah. like that. So exactly. I think the good thing is with this, and like you said with Forgebane, is it also justifies the actual box set in a way because, you know, you could just slap some, here you go, here's some Primaris Space Wolves, here's some Gene Steiner Colts, it's mm. a good deal. You get a lot of models for your money. There we go. Mm. But they're actually tied it into, like I said, a campaign. So, again, for some people, if you don't want the box set, you could still probably find, you know, the, the story behind this, find the rules behind it. You know, it, oh, yeah. it, again, it, it'll ins hopefully inspire people to a degree as well. And and hopefully if, if GW actually 
add you know like you said actually add to this as well like i said you're talking about speed freaks and things like that so mm. you know you know do you think that considering i think seventh edition had it you had those sort of various campaign books didn't you like the gathering storm and things mm. like that do you yeah. do you envision that happening with eighth edition as well 100 percent. the big thing with eighth edition is that it draws pretty heavily from age of sigma in its rules design but also in the mm. way they're using it to move the narrative forward and do interesting things narratively with factions and things like that uh what is age of sigma just had a campaign expansion book effectively that you can still use the rules for obviously it's malign importance yep. that yes. was a couple of months long sort of global campaign based on you know in-store battles and things and player decisions uh which had some interesting story around it but also came with a campaign book with story and rules and battle plans and all that kind of stuff leading up to a new edition. I don't think it'll do this lead up to ninth edition for 40k or anything, but I think it's perfectly valid to have, you know, the war for vigilus splat book and go here, here are rules here, here are scenarios for fighting on vigilus, you know, things like that. Here's a couple of stories. Here's some cool art, maybe introduce a more defender uh, and attacker style gameplay, siege style gameplay battle plans and things like that mm-hmm. I, there, there's a whole lot of stuff you can do with this if you choose to focus down on one area where there's all these different factions interacting so yeah yeah yeah, yeah i think i think that's a good thing because like i think we touched i touched upon it when we covered the wars for armageddon you know so many mm. episodes ago i that's you know when i was younger and in, into warhammer i I love those sort of things. I love those massive campaigns, you know, where you actually feel like the, you know, you actually buy into the war, if that mm. means anything, mm. you know, where you actually go, yeah, this is a really cool war. I like the factions involved. I like the the reasons behind why this particular situation's happened. And I think, like I said to me, it needs more of that. I mean, I suppose it depends what sort of player you are. Obviously, yeah. you know, that's more of a narrative player sort of thing. But then that's sort of what I grew up, you know, into this hobby mm. about, really. I've never been a competitive player. So for me, the narrative is worth more than anything than this. And I think this, like I said, having these little little snippets of, of lore to either give you some rules to play with or a scenario or at least inspire you and think, ah, well, okay, this is the, sto- you know, this is the base storyline. This is what mm. the Orcs are doing. This is what the Space Wolves are doing, etc you know, go, go, you know, get inspired, you know, and obviously you could have it at local GW stores running these campaigns, independent stores, etc. So, no, I think, I think this is all a massive positive thing to be fair. Yeah, and, absolutely. And again, <laughs> it, it's good because it, like we said with Forgebane, it's giving people or giving certain factions, I should say, the attention that they may not have had before, you know, yeah. like look at it, we with Necrons and Admet, we're like, oh, okay, where's the Marines? You know, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a, it, you know, it was, it was really controversial in some ways. Whereas obviously, mm. yeah, I know there's space wolves for this, but you know, again, it's not focusing on normal Marines. Yes, you can use them as normal uh, generic Marines, but you mm. know, it comes with the upgrade sprue, which you know, and, and such like, so you can turn them into space wolves. And like I said, it's giving some attention to gene stealer cults, which are, yeah. are not, a, you know, which are not a forefront army. But you know, mm. it, and obviously, hopefully, it's setting the scene for them. You know, when eventually well, their their codex know, comes out, we know more are coming because there's still that sneaky little gunslinger guy that oh, no one's yeah. been able to explain yet. Which I'm looking forward <laughs> to that because yeah, why not? Why not more guns if you have more arms? Exactly, <laughs> you know, use them to your advantage. 
<laughs> but no, it, it is a lovely set. I mean, you, like you said, you're getting that battle leader, which is a, a unique model for this particular mm-hmm. set. You're getting the Primaris Redemptor Dreadnought. You're getting Very five nice. intercessors, three aggressors, and obviously, like I said, the Space Wolf upgrade frame. I think it might be um, ten intercessors. Is it five? Uh, no, it's five. It is five. So, okay, so it's it's yeah. a half box. Okay. Yeah, so, so I've got the page in front of me. Unless mm-hmm. it's lying to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, from the Gene Stealer Cult side, you get an uh, Abominance, you get five Eberrants, mm. you get an Acolyte Icon Ward, you get five Hybrid Metamorphs, and eight Gene Stealers. So again, you yeah. get a nice little That's selection. That's pretty good. And exactly, and then you get, you know, that, that overlaps, you know, again, that overlaps mm. into Kill Team. Uh, I'm yeah. going to jump forward to a little thing I've put in the news here, because obviously <laughs> on the... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. On the community uh, Warhammer community website, you can now mm. download Gene Stealer Cults for Necromunda. I believe yeah. that was in a White Dwarf back in March, but obviously because yeah, I think was. theoretically you can't yeah. get that anymore unless you get hold of a second-hand copy. Obviously, it screws mm. you out of getting the rules. Yeah. Uh, so what? Yeah. So what they've done is they've put a PDF on the community website. So yeah, if you want to play Gene Stealer Cults in Necromunda, you can. You got the rules for them. So again, if you got mm. this and you have Necromunda, it gives you another option. So yeah. that's really cool. And I got to say, um, before before Tooth and Claw came out, the only place to get aberrants anymore was in old Death Watch Overkill boxes, which were mm-hmm. very hard to find. So if you're playing Gene Stealer Colds and you didn't want to do converting, it was pretty difficult to get aberrants. And now here they are in a brand new multi-part plastic kit that will presumably be coming either end of this year, start of next year, whenever Gene Stealer Colds actually come out. Yep. And they look pretty good. You can give them a stop sign as a weapon, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can imagine the orcs having that as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's totally an orc thing. <laughs> They'll be passing them like a baton. <laughs> like, no, you have it. No, you have it. <laughs> so, no, I think this is, a, like I said, this is a really nice box set. And I think, again, like, like with all the box sets, you can go halves on it with other people, you know, if you don't want one particular force so you know again mm, value mm. for money here is is massive on both sides i think they worked out it's i think the the contents are worth at least double what you're paying oh yeah you know, so if, so here it's 90 pounds so you you know it's close to almost 200 pounds worth of of models mm. plus obviously all the you know the, the rules and the dice and all the other things that it comes with it as well so yeah. no that is really cool <laughs> really cool right talking to space wolves Let's 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 talk with our first controversial <laughs> subject. So again, as of today, with Tooth and Claw coming out, you've got the new Space Wolves Codex, which mm. was it obviously has been rumored for a little while, along with the Orcs one, which should yep. follow in the next couple of months. Now, from what we've seen, the Space Wolves Codex is really good. I mean, yeah, yep. from what I've you know the things I've listened <laughs> to and read, the rules for them are looking really cool. Oh you know, yeah. I think <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> exactly. And, and and to be fair, I've I almost bought it, almost pre ordered mm. it myself, just purely to read it. I mean, whether I'd ever collect space wars, I don't know. I mean they're they're a very mm. cool chapter, but I just love to read about it and, and like I said the rules that we've you know had little tidbits of information about look really cool, like the sagas. But let's you know, actually talking of sagas, right, this is the mm. controversy. <laughs> <laughs> um so GW uh, obviously announced this week that 
one particular page, which I believe was the Warlord Traits and Sagas yes. page, um, yeah. was not up to the standard they were hoping in the sense that they weren't particularly happy with what they decided when they originally sent it off to the printers, which I believe mm. was probably about three or four months ago. So yeah. they sent all yeah. the codexes, you know, go here, go printers. This is the final copy, you know, go ahead and print it. And then mm. obviously through further playtesting, they realized they're not happy with this particular set of rules. They want to amend it slightly. And as have they done with other erratas and FAQs, they've put a PDF on the Warhammer community set website to download, mm. which let's be honest, has pissed off quite a lot of people, <laughs> In, uh, <laughs> you know, over the, over the globe. Um, mainly mm. because I suppose, cause it's actually before the physical copies even arrived. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. You know, it, I, I get that. I mean, I suppose, it, it, from what I understand, it's affecting only the English version of yeah. the codex. Yeah, so, and that's uh, understandable. Uh, yes. Because when you think about it, the English run of the codex is 90% of the printing for, yes. the, for the codex. Yeah, like, it is, it is probably easy enough for them to absorb the cost of pulping and then reprinting the Italian, German, Spanish, uh, yeah. Mandarin, or whatever copies of the thing, because that's a very small amount of what's printed. But then, you know, codexes for the entirety of the North North America, the continent, codexes for all of Britain, most of Europe, all of Australia and New Zealand, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the majority of the Western world speaks yeah. English yeah. to some capacity. And that exactly. is undoubtedly a massive run of books. Like, I'm sure there are at least a million or two Space Wolf codexes in English out Easily, there. Yeah. Um, and so I understand why they weren't altered, just because, God, the, that would probably be incredibly costly and time inefficient. Uh, and, like, I, I really understand why this annoys people, but they've laid it all out. They said, you know, we sent them off with just regular Warlord traits, and then we did some more playtesting. We're like, this is a better idea for Space Wars, this saga idea where you get a Warlord trait, and if you do a particular objective, it evolves into an aura that everyone near you gets. That's really cool. I like that. Yep. Um, and, like, it, it's free as well, effectively. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, yeah. they're not charging you. They're not, they're not delaying the codex by reprinting the entire English set either, for example. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're getting the product out to you when they said they would get it to you, although I'm sure Space Wolf players are also unhappy about waiting six months after Games Workshop said come soon. <laughs> yeah, um, true, yeah. <laughs> uh, God, like, yeah, no, I understand why people are angry, but from my point of view, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it clearly it would be preferable if they had just managed to fix it in time. Yes, but the idea that they make the codex and then after they've made the codex, they continue to test it, continue to check it, even after they said this is good enough for an initial initial run mm-hmm. of you know copies. They then they go, we'll keep testing it, just make sure nothing abnormal crops up because there's you know the millions of potential interactions in Warhammer 40k, you know, space rules versus this faction with this setup or that setup or whatever, 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 and. You know, someone had a good idea, which I think is very space wolfy to have the idea of <laughs> the leader does this great feat and inspires everyone around them. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and like, yeah, no, I understand why so many people are mad about this, but from my point of view, I'm like, it's a good thing that they did it rather than not. And you know, if it really bothers you, don't play space wolves or just yeah, print I, out the PDF I, yeah. and stick it in your book. Or yeah, uh. I agree. I, I I think I like you. I I 
I can understand why people are annoyed. Totally agree with that. I mm. just think some of the reaction is a bit unnecessary. I don't think mm. it's the end of the world. And even if I was a Space Wolf player, I still wouldn't be that bothered by it. And like you, I think that because some of the suggestion is that they, like you said, they they reprint it for people. That's not going to, you know, re, reprint no. the book. That's not going to happen. Like I said, no. there's a, you know, if there's a million copies, they're not going to just, you know, they're not going to do that. That's just so uneconomical to do and, and a bit of a waste because you've got to mm. think realistically, it is one page at the end of the day. Mm. If it was half the codex, that's a totally oh, different yeah. situation. If they were like, <laughs> wow, we've really balls this up, this whole codex, we need to, that's a totally different situation and they'd have to deal with it in a totally different mm. way. But mm. like I said, this is one page in the whole book and like you said it's made it's allowed it to be on time it's they've done it in a you know ahead of time as well so they've always said you know mm-hmm. it's not like they've gone weeks and months later oh yeah we forgot to do about this it's like no they've done it <laughs> up front yes i know if you're you know you're physically waiting for this copy to arrive and and things like that that you know oh it's you know it's technically already out of date or not or incorrect mm-hmm. whichever way you want to look at it, it again it's one page you print it off. I know there was a lot of people that were saying that to me, you know, GW should be sending out copies to people. Again, I think I can, I mean, if they did, that would have been a lovely gesture, but again, I yeah. don't believe that's necessary. I don't believe no. they, I don't know. I think again, that's to me, that's a little bit extreme to be fair. I think that, you know, if they'd done it lovely, but the fact they haven't, they've done it as a PDF. Cause I know there's people going, Oh, but it costs to print it. I, you know, I, I know it's different for different people. I know, it's, and I don't want to judge, but mm. it's not that big a deal. Or you just have it on a on your phone. You know, it's a PDF. Mm. You download yeah. it on your, you know, because most people have a I phone mean, on them when they're playing. It's not, you, you know, what I mean, you it's not the, the end of the world. Format of the codex, you already have the updated codex. Exactly. You know, I, yeah. I, you know, I like you said. I mean, let's be honest. If they'd done this in a month or two time, which they've done with other books, you know, they did mm. it. They did it with um, ages, you know, with Soul Wars. That, you know, we've already had, you know, an errata already mm. for things. Mm. And we've had it for the, the Stormcast Battle Tome. That was within a week or two of, of the Battle Tome coming out. But people weren't up in arms about it. I think it's only be, it's only people are up in arms because it's before mm. it come out. Mm. And, but, you know, but like you said, like we've said, if they had to send it away to the printers three or four months in advance, because that's, you know, that's business. That's yeah. how, yeah. that's manufacturing. That's the way the process works. That's, you know, that's what they, they've, they do. They, can't, they haven't really got a choice about that. Mm, you know, I just yeah. think that, you know, I understand <laughs> you're annoyed, people. I understand that, but people that are, but it's not the end of the world. You you know, we've got the codex. It's, you know, it's out to, as of this recording today. Yeah. You, you know, they, they've, yeah. they've enhanced the rules. It's one page. Mm. Print it off. Put it in the back of your codex yeah. or keep it on your phone. <laughs> And life moves on. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's just, you, know, you know, you know, something to be happy about for Space Wolf players. You have What's a that? stratagem where, for any Space Wolf unit, they can ignore any negative penalty to hit when shooting. Yes, exactly. put that on a four Las Cannon Predator and watch the world <laughs> burn. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's that's the way. Like I said, look at it as a positive. The Space Wolf Space Wolf's Codex, from you know what I've seen, is fantastic so far. There's some really cool, you, you know, really cool mm. rules, really cool stratagems. You know the, the the warlord traits and the the whole saga system is fantastic. <laughs> I, w- I wish they yeah. would retro, you know, fit that to the other armies because that that is a really cool way of doing things. So yeah, you know, mm. look at it positively, guys. Don't worry oh. about it. 
And I can see literally every Imperium army going forward having three rune priests to just walk around and lightning storm the entire board to death. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's good and it's good because what from what I've seen, um, I said Arjak Iron Fist, mm. no, Iron, yeah, Rock Fist. Uh, uh, Rock fist, Rock fist, that's it. Yeah, like he's yeah. a he's a very powerful character now. You know, if, mm. you know, which which is good because I think he's only one you can get on the on the website. He's you know one of those that you can't buy in yeah. store. You know, mm. for example, he's going to be a prominent character that may wasn't before. You know, so you know they mix yeah. things up with space walls. It's no, mm. I think it's it's a good time for you guys. <laughs> Embrace <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, be happy so. with your incredibly powerful and cool codex. That honestly. I mean, you, you've got Dark Angels. I've got yeah. Dark Angels successes that I will one day finish doing. Um, <laughs> the thing is, if you have a detachment of Dark Angels and a detachment of Space Wolves before the game, you can make them fight. Yes. <laughs> to buff up yes. one of the heroes. It's so, amazing. Yeah. Oh, that that honestly seems like a cool thing to do now. Have your Dark Angels army with your little Space Wolves expeditionary force. And just before the yeah. fight, a lieutenant from the Space Wolves comes up and tries to punch your Dark Angel yeah. Chapter Master. Throw it down. <laughs> and then the Chapter Master gets buffed. Uh, you know, cetera, It's awesome. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, yeah. It, like I said, it, it's caused It'll a lot of... It'll be all right. <laughs> exactly. It's caused a lot of outrage out there, but, mm. you know. But and, and, and something we're going to cover soon, <laughs> later in this section, is it's caused far more outrage than this anyway. So uh, this, yeah. is, this has been belittled by that. So, But we'll, we'll mm. get to that shortly. Yeah. So yeah. So that's the Space Wolves, Wolves Codex, um, and I think apart from that, there's there's new Space Wolves uh, dice, nice dice nice that's come dice. out today as well. <laughs> so you know, and and the upgrade sprue for Primaris, mm. yeah, uh, transfer sheet and data cards. You know, all the usual sort of stuff that usual. you'd expect. Yeah. yeah. So it's all right. Uh, right. What's next? So we've yeah we've got now also the Plague Marine reinforcements. Now from memory, this was a a, mm. a limited edition set. It was out uh, not well, long it was, ago. It was a limited edition set that wasn't really limited edition because you could still purchase it up until like yesterday. I'm pretty sure on the web store. No, it went off a while ago actually. Because I remember oh, really? when I was, I, I literally just saw it on Last Chance to Buy like last week. I think. Oh there right, okay, maybe more, there might have been more on the Aussie web store. Who knows? How I was just about to say for for us, it was <laughs> it it's got, it was they were gone probably a couple of months ago the okay. yeah. those ones so yeah so it's the it's like i said it's the three death guard uh plague mm. marines that were sort of yeah. in and you know they were sort of slightly different the to the ones box. you yeah, yeah fancy box you had a little <laughs> card with them you know a little lore mm. thing with them as well yeah. it was just like I said, it was a little sort of collector's edition to go mm. alongside all the other death cards so yeah. it, so basically what they've done is they've just re-released them just without the specialist you know little extras that come with yeah. it basically but they're also like the same price, and I don't think so, they're worth that price. <laughs> no, I was just saying they're they're twenty five pounds over here. They're not worth for three yeah, plague marines. No. They're nice, but they're not that nice. That nice. <laughs> they're not twenty five quid nice. <laughs> I think I think a big thing with them was for was uh, until the start of this year, the only place you could get a plague marine with a melter gun without converting was in those three. And yes, now the plague marine that's true. Is out. You can have a plague marine with a melter gun whenever you want. Hell, have two mm-hmm. plague marines with melter guns yeah. if you're willing to do stuff like that. You monster! You crazy fool! Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, they're nice. If I yeah. suddenly have an influx of money and I feel particularly magnanimous and I really want those nice little sculpts, I'll get them. But yeah, uh, they're okay. Cool. I mean, the thing is, they're they're cool. <laughs> but to me, it, let's be honest: if you saw them as 
part of the Dark Imperium set and all the other mm. box sets. They would just be part of that. To me, well, they're yeah. not. They're not spec. They're not different enough to mm. be of that much excitement. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. again, if you you know if they were if they were ten pounds, for example, <laughs> like similar to the you know the easy mm, to build kit, I'd be like, yeah, I'll grab a, a box. They're lovely, but they're not. You know, they don't stand out much more than the normal mm. Plague like, Marines that are already out. Yeah. They're not. Eh. You know. You know, but yeah. you know they're there now. If you want to buy them, is you know to be fair, yeah. I've got, I, I'm if glad they're there. And exactly, and, I, and, yeah. and let's be honest, there's nothing worse than when you can't buy something anymore. We're like, oh, oh yeah. well, I missed out oh, on those. So at least they're look, there. If you I'm did, I'm doing Kingdom Death. Don't talk to me about that. <laughs> exactly. I, fell, I fell asleep 15 minutes before the post Gen Con sale started. No, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stay awake any longer. It was midnight already. <laughs> I woke up and was like, oh, there were all these cool expansions in stock for about two hours. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the way of the world, mate, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So, what's next? Uh, Cameron, orcs, do you want to talk orcs, about Speed Freaks? Orcs, 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 orcs. Yeah, no, it's Speed Freaks, everyone. Yay! Um, yay! So, uh, this was leaked uh, about a day ahead. In game, The usual thing happened with an image leaked, and literally 24 hours later, the Warhammer community had a short video to um <laughs> announce the thing that was leaked. Which, can we also say that... that that initial teaser video was so perfect. It was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it's a standard car ad, but it's about mm. upgrading the old what nineteen ninety four buggy or whatever. Yeah, it is. about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, upgrade. I think it might be nineteen ninety six or something because I, I just remember Berserk is a nineteen ninety four, and they're a mm-hmm. couple of years older. Um, yeah, uh, and you know how do you improve on classic orcish engineering? <laughs> <laughs> and like just tap it with a wrench and then the wrench just comes down and shatters it shatters the old buggy. <laughs> you know, oh, it's brilliant. It, and again it just shows exactly, it just it Daka. shows <laughs> Daka. It just it just shows modern day GW. They get these things, you know, that oh, this yeah. is the way you know, because obviously orcs have always been, you know, a bit of a comedic faction mm. and mm. the things that go with it so i love the fact they've just embraced that it like i said that trailer oh, yeah. is fantastic so mm. yeah uh so this this brings us back to vigilus the uh the world where tooth and claw the box set and kill team the box set are set um mm-hmm. so i mentioned that an orc war attacked now a lot of the the cities on uh on vigilus have something it's basically like a psychic force field that yep. stops That's people right. from getting close enough to it Essentially, the orcs just kept running into that and stopping and eventually got bored and went off and did Mad Max in the desert. Um, that's what Speed <laughs> Freaks is. <laughs> I wouldn't expect uh, any less of them, to be honest. Yeah, and it looks so good, guys. Uh, we're getting a brand new war buggy kit, which looks fantastic. It is beautiful. Uh, it comes on a base, so I'm assuming that's so that you can like model it mid-flip or something, uh, which I'm sure lots of people will do. <laughs> no, I'll True. do it. Um, it, it also, so it's going to be a, a boxed game of some kind. Yeah. Presumably some kind of Mad Max, Carmageddon, Gaslands racing game. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, so you get a regular war buggy, you get a teleport and shock attack buggy, because in order to go faster, they took the shock attack gun and strapped it to the engine so that they can jump. That is, I'm just, it's that so orcish. That's perfect orc. Engineering. Yeah. I wouldn't. I need, you know. I need to catch up to the first place. Quick, jump us through the warp. What are you thinking? Yeah, you're insane. Totally. I love it. It's so good. 
uh, of particular interest was on that on that same teleporting shock attack buggy wheel. The squig gets a seat while the grot has to hang on to a side railing. <laughs> know your place, grot. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it looks like it'll have some wall bikers as well, just the standard kit, and a whole bunch of barricade terrain. So presumably, you can like lay out a racetrack and just zoom around firing bs6 plus shots at each other um <laughs> <laughs> trying to work out who wins the race afterwards um so that's really exciting it is really really good for prospects for the orc codex definitely because new new kit for a really ancient kit for a start great brand new vehicle never before seen excellent and these are beautiful kits they look amazing they're going to fit in great with older orc stuff but also if this is like the new thing the orcs are going to come out with a fleet of vehicle rules and new units and things amazing love it mm-hmm. um in the background of one shot of the war buggy uh shown at warhammer fest you can see something very interesting which appears to be a trike with a very very big boy on top um, <laughs> i don't know if you've seen that uh, um, I think so. I think I am. Yeah, it's a blurry shot. Basically, you zoom mm. in and it looks just like a mountain of green muscle with a grappling yes. hook. Yeah. Howl yep. claw. Yeah. Uh, and someone also pegged it as one of the rumor engines. Because if you look at the front tire, there's a twin mm. shooter there that actually perfectly matches up with one of the more recent rumor engines. So, possibly also that. So, Everyone's going the Primorch or Scarboys, and I don't know what the hell it is, but I'm super excited. It's going to be really cool. Um, if if you can do a proper mechanized list that's basically nothing but vehicles, I'm going to do a Mad Max 1000 point army. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to loot a Land Raider. I'm going to put a War Boss on it. I'm going to paint silver all over his face. That'll yep. be that. That's um, it. Because God, I'm so excited for more Orc stuff. They're going to be so <laughs> good. Oh. Well, so it'll be October soon. It's only a few yeah. months away. Uh, Games Workshop has confirmed October. So in like, yeah, a month and a week or something, we will presumably see the Orc Codex with all of its goodies. Mm. And um, if they're keeping us waiting this long, either there was another printing error or they're actually making a whole lot of shit. Uh, new shit. Let's hope it's let's yeah. <laughs> let's hope it's the latter. I think yeah. I think I think they probably are because it. Let's be honest. The orcs is definitely one faction that's in need of updating, yeah. you know, especially from a modeling point of view. <laughs> it well, really they went, does. They went a long time without a codex a few years back. Um, yes, they, they got one right at the end of six slash start of seventh, but before that they had the same codex for like three whole editions. So they need a little love. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think this is good the way that, like like we said with Tooth and Claw, it's obviously setting up, it's followed nicely with the Space mm. Wolves codex. It's obviously setting it up for Gene Stealer Colts later, and obviously, yeah. like I said, Speed Freaks setting it up ready for Orcs later this year. I think it's real sensible because, mm. it again, it just gets people hyped. Oh yeah, on that on that train. So happy days, speed freaks. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we go into it? <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's yeah, go into the most yeah. controversial subject of this yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah, which I'm sure you've got plenty to say about, Cameron. Probably yeah, more than um, me because so it you I, more than me. Ev- everyone's seen the images, but the American gamers are rioting. They're throwing crates of Forge World products into the Boston <laughs> Harbor. I oh know, my god! I know, off those ships. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
that was that was my favorite set of like it, it there were a few of them floating around as my favorite mm. like meme format currently has been yeah. you know angry us gamers throw forge world products into the into the boston harbor boston harbor while age of sigma players watch from the show <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a beautiful meme um but yeah no uh, there's so uh forge world just opened a warehouse for stocking and production in the u.s Yes. The thing is, Forge World has always operated solely from the UK so far, and mm-hmm. to operate properly in the US, you really need to fix foreign currency prices in place because mm-hmm. you can't have the because otherwise it's basically having the two branches of Forge World, the American one and the UK one, operating separately, and there's a whole bunch of nonsense. So just f- fix all the rates down so that the US guys can have a standard retail price and the UK guys can have a standard retail price. And while you're at it. Fix everyone else's prices down. Everyone gets a standard retail price. That would be fine, but... But. A big but. but. An, um, an expensive but. An expensive but. Uh, so they um, they are still a subsidiary of Games Workshop. And as such, as is their right, use the Games Workshop price pricing scheme, which I believe is from like 10 years ago when the British pound <laughs> was the strongest it's ever been. Yes, um, that's true. <laughs> So Those dark uh, days, <laughs> many uh, moons ago. Key examples. Oh boy, howdy! Here it goes. Um, I once dreamed of getting a Warlord Titan for the low, low price of two thousand one hundred Australian dollars before shipping yeah. and import tax. It Pocket is now change. three thousand dollars flat, more or less. Wow, <laughs> it's, it's that like is crazy. Um, that is pretty big. Uh, so basically, what's happened is they've fixed pricing, but. American prices are 20% higher than the UK price, yep. which is normal for Games Workshop pricing. Australian prices are 38 to 60% higher than the UK price. Oh. That is normal Games Workshop pricing. Same in New Zealand. I feel sorry for you guys. I really do. Um, yeah, look, there's a reason I'm, I told you you have to buy Forge World stuff for me if I ever need it. <laughs> I know. I'll be a, mid- I'll be a middle man. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like... In the case of the this this I'm going to say something slightly controversial actually. In the Go case of it. the US one, the price gain is probably not that. It's reasonably explained because yes. if you set up a warehouse and a production facility in the US, guess what? You have to pay US taxes. Import. You have to pay yeah, US rent. Yeah. You have to pay yeah. your workers a US wage. Although the minimum wage is probably actually lower there. Although hopefully you're not paying the minimum wage when they're working with resin and all other yeah. kinds of <laughs> yeah, bad inhalables. Um, yep. so you, you know, you have to pay American pricing to produce and stock in America as opposed mm-hmm. to just, you know, producing and stocking in the UK and shipping out there. Um, there's also the argument being made that Forge World's normal pricing in Great British Pounds includes the UA, uh, the UK's VAT, their general yep. tax, uh, and that they are legally not meant to apply that to people from other countries, but they have been doing that and continue to do that. And they fix the prices with that extra 20% in there, which they've mm-hmm. probably done. Um, the thing is, I don't complain about Games Workshop pricing too much. I know I do it every now and again. It's (laughs) it's really, it's quite expensive here. But I don't complain because I buy at my local Games Workshop. The manager there is amazing. He's cultivated a great community of people. And I know that I'm paying probably more than I could, more than I would if I got, say, from an independent online retailer or from China. I'm not going to even talk about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But 
honestly, I'm happy to do it because, you know, Kirks is a great guy. He's always happy to chat with me. He's interested. He remembers all the stuff we talk about. I don't know how he does because he must have hundreds of people going in and out of the shop. But he remembers <laughs> everyone by name. He remembers everything they're doing. He's he's a miracle in that regard. Um, and he's super friendly and he's super nice. And he runs a very clean, very tight store. And I'm like, cool, I'm fine paying this price because, you know, you get good Games Workshop customer service. You get fantastic store customer service from this great manager. Yeah. Um, also, I understand paying that because it's really expensive to own a shop in Australia. You have to pay Australian taxes. You have to pay Australian rent, which as someone who's looked at moving out of home, God forbid you ever want to move out of home in Australia. Jesus Christ. Um, is it really that bad, is it? Uh, our housing market has been recovering a little bit, but it's starting to go down again. Uh, there was a point... God. I mean, it's not as bad in Perth because fucking no one lives here. Um, <laughs> but over on the East Coast, you have, like, this apartment, if you want to buy it, costs $1.2 million. It has one bedroom, one bathroom, and one living room. Wow. A whole bathroom. Yeah. Amazing. Whole bathroom. You get a toilet and a shower in the same room and everything. It's amazing. Amazing. For $1.2 million, it could be yours. <laughs> Where's it located? Nowhere near where anyone works, but it's there. Um, <laughs> no, uh, the housing market in Australia and, you know, the property market in general is a bit of a shit show. Um, <laughs> like, just like our government, not going to get into that either, but <laughs> suffice to say, it's been a rough week. Let it all out, cameras. <laughs> it's been a rough week, Games Workshop. It's been a rough week, politics for Australia. It's been a rough week all around. Um, and so I understand why Australian prices are to some degree higher than the UK price in the Fiscal Games uh, Workshop. And I understand why the online Australian prices are higher, because if they were lower, no one would go to the actual stores. So. Yeah. I suppose, ultimately, what you're trying to say is you're sort, you're sort of used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But the thing is, Forge World has no physical presence in Australia. Nope. None whatsoever. There is not a single Forge World employee in this entire country. There is no Forge World warehouse. Uh, you can't even get stuff sent to a Games Workshop store. It has to go to your house. There is literally no reason for Forge World to charge that extra amount of money. I'm not getting any exceptional service. They're not paying nope. any exceptional Australian taxes. If there's an import fee, I have to pay that, uh, which I do have to now because the Australian government also recently introduced the 10% GST tax to anything purchased yep. online outside of Australia. So if I wanted that wallet, it would actually be $3,300. <laughs> It would get here, and then oh, I have to go to customs and ha fork over three hundred dollars to get my two giant crates of resin. Um, <laughs> that is absurd. It but is. Um, look, our government's not in a good place at the best of times, <laughs> and they're kind of shit in the bed at the moment. Um, <laughs> look, you just you can't buy anything on eBay from other countries anymore because you know it'll get here, and you're like you have to pay another twenty bucks. I'm like, ah, but why? Well, why? Um, <laughs> unless it's below us. A, a, very small level, I think. Um, right, okay. Uh, in country, you can buy on eBay or online, fine. It just has to come from within Australia because then they know the 10% GST tax is already on, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. It's fine. That's that's Australian problems, not Games Workshop Forge World problems. But the, the, the thing with this is, like, I'm not getting anything extra for having to pay that extra, a massive amount of stuff. Like, um, God, I, I did the comparison with the Tyranid Hierophant as soon as this happened. It's like, cool. It's uh, 170 pounds, mm -hmm. which should be about 440 dollars, but I would have to pay 670 dollars <laughs> to get it. For I'm paying like a couple of hundred dollars extra for basically nothing. That's for the, for the honor yeah. of having it sent to me, I'm still paying for shipping unless mm. I get over the arbitrary 
free shipping limit, I'm still paying the import tax, which is not, again, Fortwell's problem, but it's kind of exacerbating the problem here. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and, just, yep. Uh, and it really exacerbates the problem because the import tax is based on what I paid for the original thing. Uh, so because I'm paying more in Australian dollars, I'm also paying more on the import tax as opposed yep. to if I bought it for 170 pounds... I would pay the import tax. Yeah, I would pay an import tax of effectively seventeen pounds, which I know is not about sixty-seven dollars. It's more like thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's just rough. Um, uh, New Zealanders got a little worse than us, guys. I know you're out there. I know at least one of you is probably listening. So I'm not forgetting (laughs) you. We're in the same boat here. It's a really rough one. (laughs) Oh no. Um, and, And this has effectively stopped any chance of anyone on this subcontinent. Uh, this continent in general, buying Forge World, I'm pretty sure. Uh, mm. The Americans got their 20 to 30% price increase. They're unhappy about it, and uh, I understand that as well. Like, But at the same time, you know, they've set up the American warehouse. They need to standardize pricing to do business in another country properly. That's fine. And with Brexit coming up, there's there's honestly the undertone that this is probably attempting to, you know play their cards right and pad things up a little before any potential the pound drops any further basically yeah i'm saying Mm -hmm. they're saying look things are going (laughs) no offense to you and your country things are going to hell economically (laughs) um (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) we should probably stop these prices from falling any lower um Mm. (laughs) before they you know plummet in I'm, I don't know what will happen with Brexit. We're not going to get into that conversation. No, no, that's we're a not, whole We're not a politics podcast. <laughs> uh, but suffice it to say, this feels like somewhere between a defense mechanism and a necessary byproduct of starting another whole area of production and stock. Yeah, yeah that's fair it's just no. It's just kind of rough that they decided to go with the all-time big history high version of the great british pound instead of at least yeah. choosing something a little more middle of the road it didn't have to be this where your pound is <laughs> bleeding on the floor and people are kicking it but yeah it, it could have been better than that than what it is now um yeah <laughs> that's my piece my long yeah, rant no, about money. no that's no I, uh, <laughs> I that's what i was expecting really because like i said i'll be honest it doesn't it affects you at the well at, well it affects you a lot more than it affects me, and, well, and even it then, benefits but, you. You get better shipping within the country. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll give you my take on it, and obviously, yeah. it's going to be different because. Well, mm. it, no, I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you said. It's just obviously, like you said, it doesn't affect me in the same way. But I've mm. been sort of deliberating over this subject because you know the, when I sort of first heard it, I was outraged for mm. you and and Thank you know and other countries, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, but then I thought, no, let's think about this logically. There'd be a reason for it. You know, I've, I've been sort of to and fro mm. in all last few days of what I think. But I think I understand it to a degree, but mm. the way it's been dealt with has been pretty terrible. I think that's yeah. the way that it's done it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, with from the US side of things, I, I understand that because, like I said, they built a warehouse out there and all the laws that come with it, all the costs that come with it, mm. it you know, there has to be a factor in there. I, I, the one thing that I think I don't agree with though is that the, the problem is it, it's only benefiting our American friends from a delivery point of view. You know, yeah, for yeah. a lot of, you know, I've read a lot of people online saying, well, I'd rather pay the same amount I was paying before, i.e., 20, 25% less mm. than before. Yeah. 
and just wait another week for it. You know, I don't need it mm. that. I'm not that r- much of a rush for it. You know, because that's the because yeah. obviously that's the way that Forge World has spun it, haven't they? That they go, mm. well, you're going to get it a bit quicker now. But it's yeah. like, yeah, but let's be honest. When you're buying this sort of stuff, you're not usually buying it in a rush. I, you know, it can take no. a few weeks. Let it take a few <laughs> weeks. It doesn't matter. I'll get to it. Mm. When it's, gonna, it's only going to go in your backlog anyway. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not it's no real advantage and that's been the problem through this whole thing you know mm. it, it, there's nothing worse than in life and it happens is when you end up having to pay more for something when you're not really gaining anything it's it's a human mm. thing to that yeah. we struggle with it'd be like you know you you rent a you know you rent a flat or an apartment mm. and if they say right yeah the, the you know the it's going up buy 50 pounds a month or you know a hundred dollars a month whatever your equivalent yeah, is yeah and and ultimately like okay and, and you know sometimes that happens because that's life inflation mm. and all that sort of side of things but it's frustrating because you're thinking hang on i'm paying more i'm not gaining anything for that i'm still living in the mm. same place mm. i'm not you know they're not adding a hot tub there for that extra no. 50 pounds <laughs> um you know and it, you know it happens with mobile phones over here they'll creep a few extra mm. pound on a month you know say all you know due to you know inflation and all these other things and you, okay most of the time you can take it you think okay mm. it's a few dollars here it's a few pound here okay it's yeah. you know that's again it's it's business it's economics it all comes with it i think the problem is though with this is well it's a couple of things Forge World is very expensive for what it is anyway. Already, I mean, yeah. it's a, I know it's a it's generally a luxury item. I know it's for the you know generally. Well, <laughs> it, well it depends. It depends which way it's you a, look at it. But it's a it's a luxury item within a luxury hobby. Like yes. Forge World is three steps up from most other luxury. Exactly. Items. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's a you know it is for people that are more advanced in this hobby more hardcore you know this is not a begin you know people don't begin mm. with forge world usually so this is for when you feel more you know you want to tackle resin for the first time you want to you know mm. it's you know it's a special like i said it's a specialist niche within a niche the problem is like i said it's very expensive as a base now they're even more expensive and you know it's getting yeah. almost eye-watering now mm. you know even for like i said in america you know they're getting 20 to 25 30 percent you guys in Australia and New Zealand and the <laughs> areas around that, you're getting shafted even more with this. And like I said, it's just, it, it, and it's a shame because this could have been dealt with in such a better way. It's the fact that they've not really said much about it. I know they obviously yeah. hinted a while ago about <clears throat> the fact that the that you know you could buy in your own currency soon which you know for most mm. of you guys were like oh great cool that's that's a cool thing yeah but they never said that there was gonna be this massive price increase as part of mm. it and it's just and the problem is it's just i just can see a massive backlash coming from this you've seen it online you know there's mm. all this if you read that you know gw and the warm community they're deleting facebook comments off their off their facebook page because people mm. obviously are just outraged by this and they're they're yeah. sort of you know deleting and and censoring these posts which is never a good thing because obviously that mm, mm. always <laughs> suggests you're struggling <laughs> dealing with the situation um and it's again it's what infuriates me about this whole situation is is this it's this sort of jekyll and hyde of gw as a as, as a company mm. overall you know we've on here we've praised how they've dealt with things you know we were just a minute ago we're praising about oh, the yeah. speed freaks trailer oh you know they're getting with the times they're doing something funny you know we're talking mm, about mm. the warmer tv youtube channel that you know all these yeah. things that just making them you know the the survey which has led to plastic sisters and all that and then mm. you get the other side where 
especially on Forge World, unfortunately, they're the ones that are sort of dealing with it in such a bizarre yeah, way. Yeah. You've got the last chance to buy situation has been dealt with badly over time. You know, again, they weren't very f- forthcoming with information. I know ultimately mm. it's really down to they, they've just got rid of lines that don't sell very well, and that's fine. But it was the way it was dealt with at the start. They just threw it out there. Mm. And again, this situation, they've just thrown it out there. And again, it's just, it's just going to piss people off. And, oh, and the yeah. problem is... Yeah. It pisses people off to different degrees. Like yourself, you are going to be probably the pissed off the most and, and obviously people <laughs> in like New Zealand because it hits you the most. People in America mm. and such like are going to be pissed off because they're thinking, oh, hang on, I've now got to pay more. I'm pissed off. Not that, you know, I shouldn't be because it doesn't, mm. you know, like I said, I'm not losing out from this, but I'm pissed off for you guys and the community. <laughs> I'm pissed off at forge world and gw for doing this or the mm. sorry the way they've dealt with it yeah, they're sort of just yeah. throwing it out there be you know be transparent out there you know you've got a loyalist <laughs> loyalist a loyalist we've got you've got a loyal fan base out there you know who, who spends a lot of money this is an expensive hobby and always has mm. been and always will be you know you're now unfortunately going to play into the hands of recasters and and third-party sellers and things like that not that that's you know ultimately if you know i know that's a murky Mm. area but you know putting aside that side of it there's people that do some very good stuff out there and you're playing Mm. into those hands you know for a lot of people they want to buy from forge world they want to buy from gw and things like that but let's be honest if you price people out of it they're going to look at other means that just that's that's human nature that's what will people will do yeah it's a really big problem as well because Forge World was already very niche um, <laughs> before people, you know, it was already expensive. It was already specialist miniatures and specialist forces. Uh, they've cut a lot of stuff like that out with the last yep. chance to buy. Uh, and now with this, like, I mean, one of their best sellers has always been the Warlord Titan, presumably not because of volume, but because of sheer expense. Um <laughs> <laughs> And I feel that's really indicative. Like, people aren't buying hordes of Forge World stuff already. No. Like, you know, they're specialist pieces, probably done, you know, almost certainly done to order for the most part. Like, they have a few very popular kits that they keep a stock of, but a lot of stuff they cast when it's ordered, I'm assuming. Yep, and, I would imagine you know, so. this is... They're probably going to see a real big blow to... um. <laughs> Maybe not as big a blow to profits, but definitely a very big blow to actual, like, sold units. I'm going to say, yeah, like the, yeah. the price increase will cushion that effect a little, but I don't know if it will cushion it I d- as much I, yeah, as the current I, community outrage indicates. No, I, I agree with you. I think, I think because <laughs> I know you can always say in these situations it's the the, the vocal minority and things like that, but it isn't. But the the base of people buying from Forge is a minority anyway. If you see what I mean? Mm. So it's not like you know that you you've got a small you know a not small, but you've got a collection of people complaining about this understandably mm. and they're probably a major- a good chunk of the actual customer base it's not like they're oh, yeah. you know one you know half a percent there there'll be probably a lot more so this will you know this will have got to a lot of people and then let's be honest it's not and it's only the people that you see complaining about it there'll be people moaning about it and complaining about it but not you don't see them saying that yeah, you know they're not on the yeah. internet or doing things like that so it's it's gonna you know i can see it dramatically affecting things and also from what i read and heard that 75 percent of their sales in forge world is overseas it's only 25 percent mm. over here in the uk so yeah you know again that's that's going to take a massive hit you know yes there will be people 
that will always carry on buying. They'll just take the hit. They'll go, okay, mm. it's 30% more, but I still love it so much, I'm going to buy it. You will always get yeah. people that will do that, and that's you know that's their prerogative. But it's now going to cause a lot of people to just not buy from anymore. They will literally, there's people mm. ready going, I'm not going to buy from Forge World anymore. And the problem is, yeah. what that can then lead to is going, I won't I won't buy from Games Workshop anymore. You know what? Mm. I'm not, I'm done with this hobby. And what a shame mm. that will be. If you, you know, oh, yeah. I, you know, if you do that and you see it in other hobbies, you know, I've, you've seen it in, mm. you know, in like video games and things like that, where people just, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to just give up with mm. this hobby. And it, yeah. and again, it's, and it's, it could have been so avoided if it was, you know, mm. I know price increases, money and things like that. It's always a sore subject. And sometimes some things are, it can't be avoided from a business point of view. I understand mm. that, but it's, again, it's the way you deal with it and the way you communicate it. And it's just dealt, just not been dealt with very well at all. It's you know, and yeah. it's and it's yeah. just going to leave a sour taste. And it's a shame, really, you know. And yeah. and, and and sort of insult to injury, to a degree. And and I, you know, I said it on our Discord, and I, I sort of read it afterwards. Think, oh, that's a bit of a kick in the teeth for everyone else. Is that for here in the UK, for example, they've they've sort of normalised our delivery with this because mm. the way that it's worked over here, which is I don't know if it's the same for other countries, that it's the delivery cost is twelve percent of the yeah. what you're buying which is weird yeah. that's not how you do you it's know usually it's just, if you buy something big well exactly it's just, that's just a bizarre way of dealing you know most websites when you buy something if you're not getting free delivery it goes right it's a it's a flat fee you know exactly all flat tiers mm. of of uh of delivery whereas this you know it's like 12 percent. So you have to do all this weird maths to you know i know i know i know in other countries obviously you're having to add tax on and things yeah. like that which you're probably yeah. used to but in the uk we're not used to that fat is included and you usually have a flat delivery fee if it's if it's if if not it's free anyway. Obviously, depending on what you're buying. Whereas now, what they've done is they've gone okay. If it's a normal delivery, it's three pound fifty. Okay, great. That's really good. You know, yeah. That's it. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, <laughs> if I want to buy something that's under the free delivery uh, limit, which has gone down to seventy five pounds until the end of September, mm. you know, I know exactly. And, and, and if by doing the mass, as long as you're spending over 30 pounds, which let's be honest on Forge world, you're easily going to spend 30 pounds. Mm. Yeah. You, you're now benefiting from this, you know, from, oh, so yeah. Yeah. From, from a delivery point of view, it's now cheaper to, you know, to do this new standard three pound 50 mm. than it would have been the 12%. Mm. But yeah, I think, look, there are two big winners in all of this, the big big winner number one is I'm going to say the Chinese economy because if anything else, there's going to be a lot of people suddenly buying products from China. Yeah. Uh, no comment on the morality or validity. No, of that, no, of course. No. Um, but people will. The, the second real hidden winner is that service where you purchase something overseas and they send it to a location in that country and then post it forward from that location for you. Yeah, like the 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 mail it forward services. Like there are official ones, but also I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people popping up online. Like Hey, I live in Manchester. Uh, if you want me to buy something for you, do it, and I'll just give me ten pounds extra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Extra well, people will because <laughs> money talks. At the end of the day, mm. people, if they, you know, if you can save some money, you will. That's the thing. And again, it, as always, it's down to because again, and we'll summarize it with this: it's down mm. to human nature when it comes to what you're getting for your money. If you know, yeah. if if they turned around and said, right, unfortunately. All these prices are going up 20, 30, 40%. But we're, you know, we're using new molds. We're doing using a new mm. resin. We're doing, you know, if you think, oh, okay, cool, I can see now the benefit of this. Whereas yeah, for most yeah. people, they just don't see a benefit. You're just getting hammered <laughs> for, mm. you know, with oh, bigger yeah. prices. It's no, <laughs> you know, no one, 
you know, there's only, people only have so much of a tolerance, regardless of whether it's Warhammer or any you know thing that involves money. There's only so much, and especially, and let's be honest, because it's a hobby. That's always a different. You know, ultimately, if you've you know whether it's your mortgage or your rent or things like that, mm. you, you know, you sort of have to take the hit on it because, like, well, I need to pay it. I need somewhere to live. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. is optional. <laughs> At the end of the day. You know, oh, I know yeah. Yeah. it don't feel like it for some of us, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was is... halfway through my Death Corps of Krieg Alpha yeah. Legion army. <laughs> I what will I do? <laughs> yeah, do I eat or do I finish them? <laughs> you, <laughs> but, know you know what that's... to do, Krieger. Yeah, <laughs> finish the force. <laughs> exactly, and that's the problem. You know, that's the thing. It and and I just I just it'll be a shame with all the good work that they've done. You know, we were talking last mm. episode about their profits and and you yeah, know they're going yeah. strong, and it's like and it, they've just dropped the ball again. You're like, oh come on, don't do ah, this. You don't need yeah. to. Look, but, it, it's important to remember that Games Workshop is a corporation, not a single person. I doubt that's true someone micromanaging every single level of it i I have a feeling that overall management is more focused on the warhammer community side of things and improving the public image which they've been doing a great job of doing as we've said many times definitely and i feel like this is an afterthought by someone in accounting (laughs) going we need to normalize prices here's our price currency conversion scheme we've used it forever i've not been told to change it click and probably someone in management has just opened up their email folder and gone, what, what the hell is all this? And that's the problem. I think we should have well talked as... about this before we normalized pricing. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think it's also down to communication. You can imagine where mm. they've sort of almost dumped it on them because really it, it's almost like the Warhammer community website and like the Facebook, you know, the actual and the customer services, they probably mm. weren't brief for this because they're really oh, no. struggling to deal with it. So really, I think it's like you said, it was just like I said, some accountants behind the scenes or people of that have just made this decision, mm. done it, thrown it out there. And then, because I've seen it in my, in where I work, you know, I work for a big corporate company and I've mm. seen mm. this happen where things, you're just like, what? Where did that come from? And, you, and, you, and you're sort of <laughs> caught in the crossfire of it all. And it's, and it's mm. really unfair mm. on the staff. And, and that's the one thing I would say as well. Because yeah. we'll move on, because we will we'll be forever with this. <laughs> is you know, be be vocal about it out there. You know, if you if you're unhappy with mm. what's happened, you know, tell Games Workshop, but do it in a yeah. right way. Don't yeah. don't swear it's not at Duncan's the... fault. No, exactly. he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, like like Magnus, he didn't he didn't do anything wrong, and mm. it's <laughs> it wasn't his fault, and. You know, but same with the customer service, you know, with your local GW, mm. your, you know, whoever, just don't swear and cuss and, you know, because it, that's not yeah. the way to go about it. Just be, yeah. you know, just be formal about it. You know, just say, look, I appreciate. Write an email. Yeah, write an email. Be, you know, yeah. just do it. Though. Because if there's enough outrage out there, things do, you know, I know sometimes it could go, it, it could be a situation where they go, sorry, that's just the way it is. And then, okay, just we'll have to all move on cool. but you know yeah sometimes it can work you know sometimes they'll yeah. backpedal you know who knows let's let's knows? see we'll keep an eye on it anyway mm. oh, okay man. enough of that enough of that yeah. nonsense how right, about let's... savings savings yes. let's save <laughs> let's let's talk about warhammer conquest <laughs> oh man i kind of wish this was an australian thing instead of a uk island thing <laughs> well yeah it's, it's quite confusing because i because it's you can when you go on the website, it's either in pounds or euros, which obviously is because of mm. Ireland. But yeah. then there's, but then I was reading online. There's people in Europe, like in Germany, and there's people even in America that have still managed to, you know, put in all the details <laughs> and well, get, you know, I mean whether whether impressive. it arrives, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean whether it actually <laughs> arrives, 
because obviously on their <laughs> FAQ, they've specifically said that it is UK and Ireland only, but somehow people... Mm. So I, I imagine, unfortunately, there's probably going to be a few disappointed people out there that have... I'm sure there will be, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Warhammer Conquest is a basically a subscription service. So it's, I think, from what I've seen, it's four issues a month. Um, it's yeah. basically, at the end of it, you know, about, it's about 630, 40 pounds later, once you've bought everything, mm. you'll have basically a, you know, Primaris and a Death Guard army, you know, two and separate. And a bunch of scenery. And a bunch of scenery <laughs> and some paints and mm. some free gifts that they do every so many issues. Yeah. So the first issue is one ninety nine, which, to be fair, is totally worth it. For, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for, for us, I mean, for basically, I think from one ninety nine, you're getting, I think, three Primaris intercessors you know similar to you would you'd get in dark yeah. dark imperium yeah. and the other box sets you're getting a couple of paints and a paintbrush i mean for for two yeah. pounds i mean it's That's it's great. worth it's worth <laughs> it i'll be getting a few of those because it's just even if they're test models you know it's mm. just, you know i think and i think from a lot of places and i read online even if you order it on the phone or the website is you can buy as many as you want i don't think you're like limited to one oh. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you go to a, if you buy go to an actual store where they because like yeah. over here in the <laughs> in the UK, I think W H Smith will probably do it where you can subscribe or you know just go to the shop mm. every week and buy the the latest issue. Yeah, you can buy as many as you want. So you could you know you could for a, a you know you could go into a store and just buy all their copies and have a shed load of intercessors and and paint and stuff mm. for quite a you know reasonable amount of money. But obviously, then it goes up to I think. Seven ninety nine, I think, is the normal price of yeah, an issue, yeah. or or nine ninety nine if you've got like the super duper issue, which comes with a few extra benefits, basically. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think you know ultimately, if this is a a thing for people, you know, where you you know, if you want to slowly build a force, so over, mm. I imagine it's probably eighteen months to two it's years or something, about twenty months, twenty months, yeah. So there you go, yeah, yeah, in between the two, <laughs> basically. The, after that time, yeah. you'll have, I mean. I think for a lot of people, it probably probably won't see the benefit because it's a long wait. Yeah. It's a bit of a long game, but you know, I, know. If, I, I, it, I like the idea of once a week. These are my three or four miniatures I paint this week. That's a yeah, cool idea. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, you're basically getting Dark Imperium plus some extra troops, plus some extra characters, plus a tank for each side, plus yep. a whole bunch of scenery, plus whatever yeah. else ends up being thrown in there. It looks like a pretty good deal overall. Yeah. And, and it, I like the drip feed, honestly. It means you have time to catch up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And also it's good, like I said, financially, because it, like I said, it's staggering it over each mm. month. Because if you look at it realistically, if you're buying the four episodes, um, four issues four a episodes. month, episodes, uh, <laughs> you're buying the four issues a month, that's what, £32 for, mm. you know, for the normal edition, you know, and for a lot of people, that's quite manageable, you know. It, I mean, for some people, they'd rather spend that on other models you know hmm. that's fair enough as well but you know for some people like yeah so, and again it's another avenue into the hobby as as we know gw is very big on getting people into the hobby as we've seen with all these sets yeah. they're very starter friendly so um yeah so yeah, i think it's cool. a really good thing that's cool yeah right what's next um we'll, uh, we'll bre- rumors rumors Rumor yes <laughs> yeah this this just to add to all this news that we've got there's been quite a few rumors going around primarily from a chaos side of things so there's rumors mm. that by in December, we're going to either see Angron or Fulgrim potentially, um, and then Abaddon is, well, mm-hmm. Abaddon has been mm-hmm. thrown into mix as well with Good. obliterators as well. Model, please, he, well, he yeah, I mean he is so massively in the mix. So yeah, I mean 
as we know from a chaos side of things, obviously Death Guard has had a lot of love. Um, mm. Players and Sons to a, you know it's sort of where they are anyway. Obviously they've got Magnus yeah. as a as a Primarch as a as a they've miniature got anyway. Unique, they've got their unique plastic kits and a exactly exactly where, well. <laughs> exactly. Whereas obviously uh, from the Emperor's Children and the World Eaters' point of view, the other two main in quote marks chaos yeah. uh, forces there. <laughs> They don't have any. They don't have either of their primarchs, and they don't really have their sort of specialist units apart from. Yeah. Well, I suppose no. You have corn berserkers, don't you? Yeah, I but I did mention those were first made in 1994. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're, and, and, they're a bit old. They're, t- they're as old as me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it needs it needs updating, and obviously from a noise marine point of view, you've only got the noise oh, marine God, upgrade yeah. sprue, which doesn't. Mm. No. So it doesn't look good. No. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of rumors that that's going to happen. Um I mean either or be fine. I mean I mm. I hope it's Fulgrim because yeah, it, I want to see Slanesmus. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's going around. Was well, I think I called it the Fulgrinch. Um Yeah, the Fulgrinch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we could see a very chaotic Christmas. So mm. fingers crossed that some of these rumors may be true. <laughs> Obviously some of the rumor mill photos have been likened to fulgrim like mm. some of his scales yeah. on his armor and things like that so i can I, you know i can i can buy into that it could be right um yeah we'll we'll see I mean, again it's just everything is pure rumors at the moment i think it was started oh, yeah. by someone got wind of a i think it's a french youtuber that has mm. been right on a couple of things before and uh, has okay. predicted you know so yeah. but again take everything with a pinch of salt but yeah so mm. you know if you go to like websites like bolter and chainsword and places like that they yeah. are mm. the rumor mill is going <laughs> crazy with those sort of things it but is we'll indeed we'll see we'll see right okay last bit of news is only the whole of warhammer fest europe <laughs> yep, yep, yep. but we'll but you know we'll we'll go we'll skip well not skip <laughs> through it but we'll we'll go through it and a good pace because you know most of this stuff yeah. is either stuff oh my god we have we've we haven't got much information for so about. long. I know. Just looked exactly. up. We've been doing the news for so long. I know. <laughs> right, let's go. Let's bring it home. So yeah, okay. one, yeah so if, like the other in the last couple of weeks, we've had like I said, Warmer Fest Europe, which is very similar to the one that was obviously over here, but you know they've mm. just obviously added a bit more to it. But some so quite a bit of news has come out from it. So first of all, they've shown off a bit more of Rogue Trader, which is going to be an expansion for kill team as mm-hmm. was sort of rumored a while ago now yep they've shown a really cool trailer for it yes which was, which was really themed so good that, yeah that didn't mean much to me i'll be honest i'm not ah. familiar with that side of things i just i know i'm, I'm aware of the because it's, a, it's an anime show mm. isn't it yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'm, it's, it's a not classic so, it's right. very good yeah so I, I it's not something i'm familiar I'm, i've heard of it but i'm not familiar mm. with it so that was really cool so yeah so basically from what they've shown of this rogue trader set it's basically two two starter sets in one uh, of sorts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're getting two new kill zones with it which is basically an imperial uh, spaceship called the true hawk oh, mm-hmm. so that's like a zone mortalis sort of you know fighting yeah, in corridors yeah. sort of thing which is really cool and then i think the other one is an imperial shrine mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah so basically the the two sort of forces is a obviously a rogue trader crew and then a a nurgle inspired yeah enemy so i really really hope those tie into like a lost in the damned and a uh imperial agents codexes yeah potentially coming out at some point that's a good that's yeah that's a fair shot i hadn't thought of that yeah so far everything kill team has been codex stuff of course yeah of course so it'd yeah. be it'd be nice to see these as a way to introduce new factions or even yeah. just the ideas of new factions and games workshop sees the response to the models and how they play and things like that we'll see 
but hopefully something cool like that exactly so no this is this is really cool so i don't think they've given have they given a date for this yet i think um, probably few, next few months think so. i'd imagine I it's probably going to be like October or something. Yeah, it's it's before the end of the year. This will be out. No, it can't so. be October. October's orc focus. October. So, yeah. Maybe so it's it could... November. Yeah. <laughs> and then if Who we knows? have chaos, chaos December. So, yeah. 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 We'll see. Who knows? We'll see. And talking of um, uh, Kill Team, we've got a couple of new Kill Teams that are being, have been announced as well. You've got a Death Watch team called Kill Team uh, Mordelai. And you've mm-hmm. got a Drakari one, which is called the Slicing Noose amazing name <laughs> so yeah yep. so you know obviously you can build your own from the normal kits but these are obviously pre mm-hmm. pre-built one or pre-done ones with obviously a bit of train involved as well and talking to train as well there's also they've shown off the death world forest kill zone as well which looks yep. really cool again oh, yeah. you could use that on m- many things <laughs> that could be mm-hmm. easy normal 40k terrain as well Oh, yeah. So that looks excellent. So yeah, so they really are pushing Kill Team further, which, and I think they will, they will for a while now. I think will this will be quite mm. a common thing, which is all happy days for everyone. <laughs> uh, right. So we move on to the Horus Heresy. So they've shown off a few little things. They've basically announced that the last book for the heresy before the siege of terror is going to be called the <laughs> so so it's going to be called the buried dagger so basically what they've mm-hmm. done or announced is that the horus heresy is finishing in quote marks and then the sort of the last part of this you know yeah. this collection of books is going to be called the siege of terrors like it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be the same series it's just going to have a slightly different name to it basically so yeah. they've differentiated them i think that's a good idea because at the moment the horus heresy is about 50 50 to 55 books something like that um yes. and so if, if if someone looks at that monolith that stack of paperback um <laughs> it's a bit intimidating it's so i think the idea of having the siege of terror as a new jumping off point like a, a break yeah. in the story where this is where things change up again if you don't want to go through all that jump in here read these five yeah. books yeah and exactly. you're done yeah, and no, then I, if you want, go back read the Horus Heresy stuff. Yeah, I think, I, and or or for sort of a middle ground is because obviously you don't have to technically read every Horus Heresy book. There is a oh, no. you know flow charts out there <laughs> that shows you. But, and actually, the flow chart is on our website at the moment, which I'll talk mm-hmm. about a bit later. But yeah, so you know, if you want a quick way to get to the Siege of Terror, you you know you read all the the relevant Heresy books that are important to the the overall narrative, mm-hmm. and then like I said, you can jump to the Siege of Terror. So no, I think I think it's a good thing. I think like I said, it's nice that they've separated it so this last book that's part of the heresy is like i said the buried dagger it's about the death guard which is cool it's uh them turning i believe yes it is which we've spoken about when we covered the death guard in an episode anyway so So, that's going to be good i'm looking forward to that exactly um well he's going to get his (laughs) i'm going to get his revenge Um. yeah (laughs) absolutely so no that's that's really cool um right so yeah heresy we've got uh new praetors which they show which is which which are the blood angel (laughs) ones which they've shown Mm. off uh, i think at the original warmer fest i believe and they Mm. look really cool you know so people that play heresy or just want a really cool model i mean to be fair you can use it in 40k as well so yeah Mm. they look really cool and you've got a new vigilator model as well which is basically like a like a like a chief sniper type marine basically he looks cool yeah, very uh, their, cool. Their example one was a white scar, I think. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cool. you've got <laughs> the new 
Blood Angels Contempt of Dreadnought, which looks very yeah. cool. I mean, cool. Contempt of Dreadnoughts always look cool anyway, but this yeah. one, this one looks really <laughs> badass. It's uh, so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it really is, as you'd expect of the Blood Angels. So, you know, Sanguinius would be proud. And uh, the last sort of unit they showed off was the Prevalian, mm. which is like yeah. a, basically like a tech marine type yeah. looking uh, HQ unit. They, I believe they also showed off that the Blood Angels are the first Legion to get a Legion-specific Leviathan Dreadnought. Yes, yes, I think you're right yeah. on that, actually, yeah. So they're getting a bit of love, because I, the, I think they're in the next book. The next, yeah, the next, you know, the next black book for Blood heresy. Angels, white scars, and something yeah. else, I think. Yeah, I, I think it could be the, is it the Space Wolves, maybe? I don't know. It's one of Might those, yeah. Space Wolves. Who knows? Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it's called Malevolence, Look, I think. I just want to like see the Sanguinius miniature, please. Yeah, oh no, I know. <laughs> That's going to be so good. Well, exactly. There's only a few Primarchs left that I haven't had. Mm. I think there are three left. I think it's, it's yeah. Khan, Sanguinius, and, yes, and... Uh, the Lion. Yeah, yeah. So they're the three that I think so far uh, they still haven't got models for in 30k. Mm. But they'll be there. They'll be there. Oh, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So that's that was the heresy stuff and the sort of last little sort of smaller bits. We've They showed off this very cool-looking House Cordor Executioner for Necromunda, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which has caused some, again, a bit of outrage, um, <laughs> un- you know, understandably in the US mm. for reasons, if you yep. ever see it. Um, it has a pointed hood and yes. it's around the neck. So yeah. it's a bit clan reminiscent. Yes. Uh, which with with Games Workshop and Forge World as a UK based company, I'm not sure that even came up as a thought, but I, you never know. Exactly. I mean, so. I, I, well, that, and that's what happened to me when I first saw it. I thought that model is amazing. But then, and then when I saw the, out, you know, there was obviously a bit of outrage on the internet. I, I thought, oh, mm. yeah, I didn't think of that. But then, you know, being UK based, it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. naturally come to mind over here. So um, mm. yeah, we won't. I said we won't go any more about that. But as yeah. a model, it is a very, <laughs> it is very cool looking indeed. Mm. Um, I like shown the off- axe. I like the axe that looks like it's been forged out of a bunch of hammerheads. Just yes, kind of bashed together. Yes, I noticed yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool indeed. I mean, House Cordor look awesome anyway. They're they're oh, one yeah. of the cooler looking gangs. So uh, yep. So that's that's been announced. Um, you they've announced or shown a very small if trailer of the next <laughs> um, Warhammer Underworlds, which is what Shadespire is, because obviously Shadespire is actually yeah. just like a, the first part of it, where it's actually technically it's called Warhammer Underworlds. So it's the next one's mm. going to be called Night Vault. Um, yep. I don't think they've shown really anything off as, as far yeah. as I know. I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be story release and it's going to come in December. Nope. Oh, you heard truth. it here first, everyone. It's going Family to be story. Stuff. It's going to be a story related release because Shadespire is about to be crushed by Slanesh's reawakening. Ah, look, someone's because someone's yeah, starting yeah. the rumors. <laughs> well, no. If, if you look, if you look at the map of the realms, uh, you will notice that Slanesh is literally right next to where Shadespire is. Yes, no, I know. Is. <laughs> so I have a feeling that you can use that as a kickoff point to refresh uh, Warhammer Underworlds, not Shadespire, and you know introduce new teams. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a bit of death focus with all the creeping vines and stuff yep um and at the same time you can tie that into an age of sigma hosts of slanesh release slash 40k empress children release mm-hmm. i think that would yep. be amazing hopefully that's what it is because yeah. i would love that we're crossing all our fingers cameron don't worry mm. it's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> um what else we got right so we got the a new they've shown off a new endless spell in age of sigma oh. which is like a basically a charging bull which looks yes. awesome Oh, this is, it's so cool. This has caused quite a few 
you know, rumors and mm. things like that. We, you know, there was suspected that it could be chaos dwarves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's very <laughs> reminiscent of them. It, you know, there's obviously suggestions it's to do with, mm. you know, the, the, you know, from a beast man point of view. I mean, that I did is, actually put, mm. I did, sorry to interrupt. They, they, we did yeah, put yeah. A, a, t- a Twitter poll up on our, um, you know, on our Twitter to basically say, you know, do we think it's chaos dwarves? And literally it came back 50, 50. So, which is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. I so. think it's got, it's almost definitely going to be Beastmen. Forge World yeah. is still producing Chaos Dwarves. They have their own full army list, basically. Um, the head is a little more Minotaur-like from the uh, mm. Warherds. And yeah. the Hammerhall Herald, that sort of little comedy Age of Sigma newspaper style thing that they put up, has had a lot of Beastmen-related stuff recently. Um... You know, like, beware of these goats. They walk like men, et cetera, et cetera. Um, have you seen this goat? All these things like that. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's probably going to be a Bray Herds, War Herds slash yeah. Beastman release thing. But I it agree. would be cool if they brought Chaos Dwarves into the I would love it. Actual, oh. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because the problem is, again, they're on, you know, I know we're going back over Forge World, but they're on Forge mm. World, but they're so damn expensive. Oh, and yeah. I know they were a bit <laughs> of a, a niche faction back in the day anyway. But mm. I just thought they were really cool. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, never rule it out. Um, right. Well, so they've, um, yeah, they mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, they mentioned uh, Space Marine Heroes is going to be in stores and places mm-hmm. like that. Because obviously, I think it was the Japan only so um, yeah. release so far. But yeah, I think they're going to start bringing it into normal stores in various which other countries, cool. which is cool. Those are so great models. They, they are great, indeed. So, yeah. So. <laughs> Happy days. Um, mm-hmm. Blood Bowl, they've shown off the Nurgle's Rotters, which is a new, mm-hmm. obviously, Nurgle <laughs> team with a great yeah. name. Yeah, um, they're cute. I wish yeah. they were a little bit more like their concept art because they had some really grim, cool concept art, but Blood Bowl is a lot more fun and friendly themed. Yeah, of course it is. They ended up yeah. with the, the, the jiggly Nurgle rather than the gribbly Nurgle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Blood Bowl keeps rolling, and they've also announced a new 40K podcast, which mm-hmm. I think to me was inevitable, because obviously Stormcast, oh, yeah. which is the Age of Sigma official mm-hmm. Games Workshop podcast, is you know doing really well, so it was, I think it was only yeah. natural they do a 40K one. And obviously, remember, guys, there's still room for all of us in this space, so yeah. don't, you know, don't, yeah. don't leave us and go off. You, know, you can listen to them and we've listen to us patch. as well. Yeah. We've got our patch. <laughs> Get off our land. <laughs> <laughs> so no you can listen to all of us don't worry look you know it's not a competition here (laughs) but But we've been going for much longer than them exactly we started it we were there first (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but yeah that's inevitable so that'd be really cool and and then the last thing they shown off was as they sort of hinted at was they've shown a bit more about the plastic sisters because you know at the last warhammer fest one things they Mm. said even though it is coming in hopefully 2019 is that mm. they would show little tidbits of information as part of the process, you know, the design and the manufacturing and yeah. things like that, just, yeah. you know, just keep things ticking over. So they've, they've shown off a, you know, a fair bit of the weaponry, like the bolters and, and chainswords yeah. and flamers and things like that. Again, they're just sort of design concepts mm. at this point. Again, looking very badass as we they would expect. From- so good. Oh. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, Warmer yeah. Fest was, you know, not a, a nice mixed bag mm. of, of news but yeah yeah god we've had a lot uh, of one news. final we got <laughs> yeah. one final thing um which i added in but i don't know if you checked um basically today all of the lord of the rings slash middle earth stuff went up for pre-order again because yes they're 
coming back in a major way, and they look, those are still great models. They still will look really nice. Um, uh, who knows? I might buy in a little bit. See, I know. I'm glad you said them. I'm glad you said that because that's what I've been eyeing out. I mean, I I've said I've yeah. I've no I I got more than enough to deal with, and I've never you know played any of the Middle Earth games before. But mm. from what I've understood, understand the the rules are very good in them. Like it's got oh, a very yeah. tight rule set, and that mm. there's that new starter set that they've released. And also, yeah. what is oh, intriguing me is they have there is a a skirmish based game as well, which is mm. called Battle Companies, I believe, or something yes. like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I could, sure yeah, it. yeah, something like something on those lines, yeah. and, and you know, like, so they get, yeah, it's so good, <laughs> yeah. It's so good. yeah, and I think what's like, quite good is the fact they've combined mm-hmm. them to Middle Earth. So rather yeah. than Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, it's just Middle Earth as a, which you know, makes a, sense, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so that's all up for pre-order. Mm-hmm. So it shows that there's still people that are out there that are into it, which is really yeah. good because it sort well, of gets a bit I mean, overshadowed, doesn't it? Yeah, well, we always we always see the miniatures each year in the Golden Demon showcases, and there's usually every few months in a White Dwarf we get an article with like a new battle scenario to play or something like that. So the support's been there, but the model support, like these things, haven't been in store a lot, at least no, in my local stores. And it, it, you know, my again, my local manager loves Lord of the Rings. Uh, he he loves the tight skirmish rule certain things and. You know, I'll, I'm at the very least interested to give it a go, uh, yeah. cause I never really got into it back when it was the hot stuff all those years ago <laughs> and I was just getting into the hobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, exactly. And, and I think for me, I, cause I'm on a real middle earth run at the moment. I'm like, I'm mm. I said on Twitter that I'm getting my wife into watching these at the moment. We've just watched the first two Hobbit movies. We're going to watch mm. the third one, hopefully this weekend. And then we're going to watch all the Lord of the Rings, all the extended versions. I've got my box set out ready. I mean, I've watched these all these films countless times. I, I love Middle-earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes when I think that, I think, why have I never actually got around to even getting involved in the game? It's sort of, it's win-win. It's like, it's Warhammer <laughs> yeah, exactly. and Lord of the Rings combination. It, but again, mm. I suppose it's just, I am really know anyone that, that's really into it personally. But again, yeah. from, you know, what I was saying earlier, where I'm trying to, play Shades by with my friends i know they're both massive lord of the rings fans so maybe you know mm. maybe i can commit you know if we you know get into a skirmish side of things so mm. yeah so so i know we've we've touched upon a very some very um negative subjects <laughs> in this i'm you know we're trying to stay positive i know we've had a, mm. a bit of a rant especially cameron um understandably so but you know but no there's still there's still a lot of good news out there we've had a you know some loads of new models new new stuff's coming that training you know keeps going <laughs> oh yeah oh so yeah. Um, right, we're definitely going to take a very well-earned break because that's a lot of news to get through. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll take our last break and then when we return, we're going to see what the uh, boys and girls of the Assassinorum are up to. Back soon. And welcome back to the last part of the show. It's main lore topic time and we are going to the 40k universe to talk about the Officio Assassinorum. Ooh, da, da, da. In, in shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd talk about a part of the Imperium which is a bit, well, a bit unheard of in some cases. Obviously, that's the way they want it, really. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we thought we'd talk about these, uh, I said these guys and gals, and see what they get up to because, yeah, they're quite, uh, quite a secretive little organisation. So, what we'll do is we'll do a little brief overview of the background of them, and then we'll talk about the the six main temples which is the main sort mm-hmm. of 
yeah, their main sort of form of di- diversification and training <laughs> and things like that, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so hopefully we'll have a, a good, a, a good, you know, background of what what they get up to. So yeah, so the Fisio Assassinorum. I mean, the best way to look at them is they're the sort of basically it's the ultimate goal to protect the Imperium mm-hmm. uh, against heretics, traitors, cultists, warlords, mainly uprising in some ways. Basically, get in there before things get any worse. That's yeah. basically their sort of one of their main sort of objectives, I would say. They're, you know, basically unleashing the Emperor's justice on these, mm. you know, these heretics and warlords. Mm. I mean, what, what they often. Well, a lot of their work is based around often dealing with planets that have basically had no imperial contact for a long time. Because as you imagine, you know, the Imperium, the Imperium is a massive place with, you know, millions and billions of planets around. Obviously, we've got things in the way like the Great Rift and previously, you know, like the um, the Eye of Terror and things like that. So as you'd imagine, and it, it's often hinted at in the, quite a few of the novels that, you know, certain planets basically don't have any real contact from the Imperium for, you know, for years. And we're talking yeah. hundreds of years oh, where yeah. they're just sort of, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're part of the Imperium, but just untouched, really. They sort of left their own devices. Mm. And obviously what can happen with that is, you know, there's uprisings, there's, you know, chaos corruption, there's mm. just human corruption in general. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, humans <laughs> can be bad people. And um, as we know, so, you know, they're often the ones that get targeted sometimes because naturally if something starts kicking off. Let's get an assassin in to deal with it before it gets, you know, before it properly kicks in. So, as I sort of said a minute ago, they're basically based around temples. Um, formerly, they used to be known as clades. And basically, these different temples are different specializations of you know, of the assassins, you know, to be used in you know in different as in different missions different Mm. roles different jobs as again as you would imagine so they train these assassins in in these different disciplines and also to train them to be able to work alone it's a very isolated and solitary (laughs) life for Mm. the life of Mm. assassin again as you would imagine because you know in in real life that's you know how assassins work you know they're (laughs) they're lone operatives you know they're not generally they don't generally work part of a team there is a few cases where they do which we'll touch Mm. upon in a bit but yeah predominantly they work alone primarily to get the job done you know yeah do it you know don't don't want to don't want other people (laughs) mucking it up for you get it done yourself so you know they again not in all cases but again predominantly they're a single target business in some ways Mm. really they you know they generally have a single the one target kill it out you go and then hopefully you know the objective that was wanted has has happened basically. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, some and, and but you know, in contrast, to what I was saying about it being not a team player, they can sometimes help Imperial forces without them knowing. You know, even mm. Space Marines, Sisters of Battle, you know, the Astra Militarum. You know, sometimes a target will get taken out, and these forces have no knowledge of it. You know, it just oh, it just happened. Oh yeah, yes sir. Yeah, we found him with his brain, his brain blown out. Oh okay, was that who, who, who did it? I just want to, I want to shake the hand of the guy who did it. Oh, it wasn't any of us, sir. No. <laughs> just a stray bullet oh, <laughs> came yeah, out of nowhere. Just a stray point five caliber bullet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's you know that's how they work. As you know, again, as you would see fit. So only because of that, because of the way they work, only the highest parts of the Imperium can control or order these assassins 
and, and mm. you know, which is basically the connected to the High Lords of Terror, which yeah. is funny because actually talking of the High Lords, they can actually be targets of assassins. So even oh, yeah. the people that control them can actually be the target. <laughs> no one, you know, apart from people probably like the Emperor and themselves, <laughs> uh, that they're, 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 you know, they, if they've got a target, you know, that they're, they're a target for a reason, you know, because mm. like we know there can be corruption anywhere. Yeah. So, they're basically unleashed on a, a two-thirds majority from the, the Senatorum Imperialis, which is the High Lords of Terror. Basically, it's yeah. the, they used to be formally known as the Council of the High Lords of Terror, but that's sort of their, their sort of newish name that they're known as. Um, I mean, it, it can basically involve to the point where if they unleash a, an assassin without this agreement, it yeah. can, it's, it's considered the highest form of treason. Well, or one of the highest forms of treason. Yeah, I mean, the reason for that is you know, way back when, just after the Horus Heresy, actually, um, the mm-hmm. head of the Assassinorum wiped out all the High Lords of Terror and tried to take power. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, this, this, yeah, cor- you know, this, this is the thing. This is why they, they're so dangerous that they have mm. to be dealt with in this way that, you know, no, like I said, no one's safe. They are, they are a last resort in, in often a lot of cases, really, mm. because of how powerful they are and, and because of the damage they can unleash. They're, you know, they're not, they're not used lightly is what we're trying to say. (laughs) So the officio is actually based at the Assassinorum temple on terror. Mm. Um, There is, there is suspicions. It is a front that, you know, because obviously, as you would imagine, it's a secretive organization. So they they keep everything on lock and key and, and obviously all smoke and mirrors and things like that. So Mm. yeah, I mean, whether it is a front, no one truly knows, but yeah, you know, so there's a good chance the actual, Assassinorum Temple it could be elsewhere. It could be, yeah. you know, who knows where it is. Well, we know but, we know three to five of them are somewhere on Terra, and one yes. is definitely not on Terra. One's definitely that's not. In, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is it. Uh, it's all all secretive. So all mm. you know, you got to be a club. You got to know the secret handshake to get in these, <laughs> and it's not a fist pump. No. It's um, not. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Cameron said, the temples are somewhere in air quotes on Terra. Mm. So they're all over. The end. Like I said, the one we definitely know is the Calixus. Yeah. Is definitely it, not on there. They're on it is ships rumored, and stations. Uh, I mean, all the assassins can be held on ships, but the Calixus yes. temple specifically is rumored mm-hmm. to be on a planet without a star. Uh, and because they're Calexus assassins, they're anti-psychers, it's located so far on the fringes of the galaxy that the Astronomican doesn't reach it. Is ah, the idea. There you go. Apparently. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So there you go. So yeah, they're not, you know, they're, but like I said, I can imagine that even though supposedly the other ones are on Terra, I can imagine, like I said, they're, yeah. all, they're all fronts. They're, they're, they're just, <laughs> you know, a shop front. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the, oh, yeah. the rest of it is in other places. So yeah. So, um, but like Cameron saying about them being on ships and places like that is they're, they're particularly, they're ready to be deployed at, at a moment's notice. Bang. Mm. There you go. Yeah. You got a target. <laughs> so the actual, Officio Assassinorum was created during the Great Crusade to basically deal with these rebellious planets. You had a situation where the the what used to be known as the 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 Lord Assassins, mm. the actual is that what they were called? I can't remember now. Actually, were they, uh, they were the Lord Assassins, Sires and Cyrus. Sires, that's it. Yeah. So that's where that's where the names of the different temples came from, basically. So they, you know, as a collective, they were you know the the top of their their temple mm. and they obviously realized that they were you know they were an important 
force behind you know as part of the great crusade even to the point that the emperor didn't really know about them for a good mm. while they were basically you know said performing assassinations here there and everywhere you know doing their bidding for the emperor without like I said, without him really knowing it and then they sort of realized that you know this what this work is going to have to carry on there's always there's always going to be a need for assassins you know every time throughout <laughs> history that's just that's just the way it goes so they realized that they had to pass their knowledge on so mm. to speak to the you know to future generations that because obviously there's you know there's six of them that specialize in their various ways but you know they could end up dying you know of, of age or being killed in in the field etc so they realized that right yeah. let's get together let's uh let's get some temples going let's get some training it was like a like a montage moment mm. <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine all these little assassins just training so Mm. Yeah, so like I said, they used to be formerly known as clades, but primarily they were there to deal with different situations. So like I said, they were servants of the emperor who performed deeds in secret, but no no real praise. They they made themselves known, you know, like I said, to, to mm. pass on their skills. They, you know, they're basically assassins in general are trained hard and with a variety of weapons and techniques, again, to mm. deal with all these different situations. Each clade back in the day had what was known as, that's what I was looking for, a director primus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, they uh, they have an overall grandmaster, which initially was Malkador the Sigilite. Okay, mm-hmm. which will well, I think at some point we need to go. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about him in general. Oh, He's yeah. quite an interesting character. We won't we won't <laughs> talk about him particularly in this episode, but in a future one we will talk about him because mm. he's he's someone to know about so yeah he was the original grandmaster obviously not anymore but there's always a grandmaster basically yeah. and then like i said you've got the the sort of the next in line which is the the leader of each of the the particular temples so and basically the grandmaster regardless is always a member of the senate uh, senatorum imperialis the, mm. the the high council so for again for reasons because well yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so from a training point of view, they generally, not always, but often start off as an orphan, which is mm. part, often come from what's known as a scholar progenium, which is basically, uh, I suppose a way to look at it, it's a school of orphans where the mm. parents have been lost serving the emperor. So parents yeah. have been killed, you know, they could be Imperial Guard, they could be, you know, whoever they are. They've been killed in action. So obviously they've got, orf- you know, children without parents, and then this school looks after them. So often this is sort of a prime location for the assassinorum to mm. to get new recruits from basically yeah which is quite interesting so so from here to get to terra and obviously go to the different locations where the the temples are based they basically go through a mental and physical endurance test of sorts you know it ends up being where often only one in 10 survive you know so it's mm. so it, so this is even just the journey. So you know, it's, sim- <laughs> it's similar to to Space Marines in general, because we know yeah. from Space Marines yeah. they have to go through a, a rigorous training program where a lot of them can't cope and obviously uh, are killed through it. And again, assassins, as you imagine, exactly the same principle as well. So yeah, so once so once they get to ter- to Terra, the ones that have actually survived, they're like, Whew, let's have a breather. So like, oh, that was hard. Where's my badge? And obviously, no, it doesn't <laughs> stop there. <laughs> and then they gradually. <laughs> They gradually divide, you know, so what they do is they divide these recruits amongst the different temples. Mm. So as you'd imagine, the training is really ramped up at that point. It gets even harder. You know, there's sort of hypnosis going on. They're, they're, they're absorbing information because they need to learn like new languages, mm. uh, combat, especially unarmed hand-to-hand combat amongst each other, you know, just to become 
literally a one man or woman army that is mm. basically the, what they need to be <laughs> not and not in the sense of like a space marine because obviously they get no. seen in the same light these are seen more as you know that they have to deal without the the tools of the trade because mm. ultimately you know space marines yes they can obviously survive without things but ultimately they need their power armor they need their bolter their their elements of, of war whereas an assassin is a an operative that needs to be able to cope in different situations and often for years tracking the target so has to be able to speak the language has to know how things work i.e so they don't get spotted Mm. you know so they blend into the background so it's not just simply fighting they have to be able to deal with any situation or within reason is that's put towards (laughs) them basically (laughs) so depending on the kind of assassin as well because for example, yes, you, you're not absolutely. going to teach an Eversaw 15 different variations on Gothic um, <laughs> or anything exactly. like that. But you will for a Has, Kalidus, for example. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it does depend. But yeah, they all have various forms of very, very intense training, as one would imagine. So yeah, like I said, they must have knowledge of survival, the Imperium in general, and you know even simple things like looking after their gear and travel. Because again, sometimes if they've got to take out a target, they're not they're not literally dropped off by a boat or a ship and just go here you go. <laughs> they you know they often have to make their own way. You know like here you go, mm. you know where your target is, make your own way. You know you know uh, remember to remember to record your travel expenses. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so man. that's that's basically how they work. <laughs> so this training, so you know, this post landing on Terra training goes on for about ten years, and then after this ten years, they you know they've pretty much proven themselves ready to go out in the field. So this is where they'll have sort of forms of surgery. You've got sort mm. of nodes entered into their brain so they can absorb information. There's sort of various forms of tech that's introduced in there. So basically their body's ready for future drugs enhancement. So it's almost like Mm. a like an exoskeleton sort of thing, like getting their body again, similar to Space Marines, where Mm. you know their body is changed to accept all the new organs and things like that. You know, the assassins to it not necessarily to the same degree, but are basically enhanced ready to, you know, be able to handle the tools that their particular Mm. temple uses, basically. Yeah, um, exactly. And before we go on to the temples, one sort of notable event from history <laughs> in regards to the Fissure Assassinorum um, is the what's known as the Execution Force. Now, basically, yes. this is for anyone that's read Nemesis by James Swallow, which is one of the Horus Heresy books, which I've, which I think, yeah, I think it was one of the last few that I've read, actually. Mm, yeah. It's um, basically an, an Execution Force was built during the Horus Heresy where one, an assassin of all the six different clades was basically brought together into like an Avengers style <laughs> form of, <laughs> of assassins team. Um, no Captain America in this one. No. Though. no. <laughs> he was, he was replaced with, uh, with an Eversaw. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, right. Actually, that'd probably be Hulk, <laughs> wouldn't it really? <laughs> well, you know, depends where you look at it. So yeah. So basically this uh, execution force was basically brought together to basically take out Horus. So they thought, right, let's let's you know, let's nip this heresy in the bud, let's let's take him out. Without I won't go into the story about the book itself, but basically it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. You, as we know. So yeah, they and but they do stop a counter assassin which was known as Spear, which is if you like I said, if you read the book or listen to the audiobook, Spear is quite terrifying. He's basically <laughs> like a, a demon a demon inspired assassin. So so yeah, they take cool. they take him out in because obviously Spear was there to take out the Emperor. So you've got one mm. group of assassins taken out trying to take out Horus, Spear trying to take out the Emperor, and mm. ultimately 
none of them do <laughs> so <laughs> as we know so yeah that was a uh, one of the notable events so right yeah we'll go on to the actual explain the different temples so mm. um, cameron do you want to pick one of your one yeah. of your temples yeah. you want to explain uh I'll, I'll start off small with the venom temple so this is yeah you, you, have, you have four more major temples and two more minor temples uh the venom yeah. is one of the minor less well-known ones uh it is often classified compared to the other ones even to inquisitors and the like um, but the Venomum basically, uh, they specialize in poison and the use of poisons and chemistry to kill their targets. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of information about them. Obviously, they're one of the more secretive temples and their operatives usually, instead of going in like some of the other temples, guns blazing or with a huge amount of war gear, go in in a costume and a vial of acid, for example, <laughs> basically is all, all they get for an assassination. <laughs> Um, but there are a few notable ones that I really liked. Uh, one was actually part of that execution force you just mentioned. His name was Tobeld, uh, and he was mm-hmm. the closest person to Hor- uh, person who got closest to Horus in the assassination yep. attempt, getting within about two meters <laughs> before he got yep. stopped. He uh, did. And he had made a special poison which desiccated you, uh, completely dehydrating you as soon as you were injected with it, which I thought was impressive. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, ba- spoilers. Basically, when he gets caught, they use it on him. Yeah, <laughs> which is quite nasty. Yeah, uh, but my favorite Venom assassin has to be Urhua Thoreau. Um, <laughs> so she was uh, she was sent to assassinate a rogue planetary planetary governor in M thirty seven, and she was tra- you know she traveled by ship through the warp to get there, obviously, uh, but it got caught in a warp rift. Uh, which delayed her journey by about 700 years. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Uh, so she was initially going to go kill this one rogue dictator, basically, because the, at that point, the rest of the civilization structure could still be saved. You know, you take out, take off the head of the snake, replace him with someone who holds to imperial doctrine, it's fine. 700 years later, the entire government is an anti-imperial government and the planet's about to recede, uh, secede, I should say, from the Imperium proper. Uh, and so instead, over the course of three days, she kills a thousand government members by poisoning their <laughs> chairs. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so just, you know, goes to the meeting hall and on the first day puts contact poison on 300 chairs. You know, a third of the government <laughs> dies. The next day, poison, contact poison on 300 more chairs. And it's like, you know, how are we being poisoned? We're checking our food. We're checking our water. We can't figure out how they're getting us. On the final day, everyone sits down and goes, oh, uh, I'm starting to feel a little sick. No one <laughs> checked the chairs. No one checked the chairs <laughs> for a contact poison. Um, awesome. Yeah, just spent three whole days poisoning the entire council auditorium, basically. <laughs> Which, yeah, um, so the, the Venomum are definitely not to be, um, <laughs> not to be underestimated, uh, they're, 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 honestly, their most notable member would be Draken Vangarich, uh, who used to be the head of the Venomum Temple before he became the Grand Master of Assassins and proceeded yep. to kill all of the High Lords of Terror, um, <laughs> so he was the one who instigated that, um, mm. But as for their actual serving members, I think Tobeld and Urhua are probably standout examples of how the Venom work. They are covert secret operatives who use poison and chemistry to get where they need to go and to kill who they need to kill. They're very cool. <laughs> nice. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, if we, we're doing the smaller temples, mm. I'll cover mine of the lesser known, which is the, the Vanus Temple, which for those uh, high gothic 
buffs out there is high gothic for empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> so yeah, that's what it means. Uh, basically, it's a temple that's devoted to gathering intelligence and strategy behind the scenes. Mm. So again, why it's sort of lesser known, uh, they you know they devise calculations of success rates. So it's a very data and information driven temple. It's all about manipulation behind the scenes and things like that which is quite you know it's quite interesting because you it's not necessarily a type of assassin you necessarily expect obviously when we cover mm. some of the more well-known ones and even the one that cameron's just spoken about which you know with poison you, you know it's sort of you know yeah. if you were visualizing assassins that's something you would expect whereas the, this the vanus temple is a very subtle one that you wouldn't necessarily would presume even exists but it does so mm. yeah their main purpose is basically to learn all they can about their particular target and and also not just the target themselves but anyone that's near to the target so you know friends family work colleagues um you know gang you know if you're a sort of a warlord or a gang member you know it'd be other gangs that you deal with all the heads of other gangs you know all that you know basically anyone anyone that's near you that can be manipulated to cause you trouble as the target basically because mm. what they try to do their sort of ultimate goal is to man- is to basically manipulate situations so that the, the target is killed by these means so mm. they're not killed out you know there's not a, literally a physical assassin going out yeah, and, yeah. and shooting them in the head they're you know they'll like i think one of the examples that i saw was you you know you've got a you know like a gang member or a gang lord mm. that mm. is you know doing some criminal activity and he you know, basically pay, sends payment to, you know, someone. And then what the, this particular temple do is they, I don't know, they basically intercept the payment. They mm. make it a corrupt payment or a tagged payment. And then they, then the people that are paying him or sorry, that he's paying basically think that they've done something wrong and vice versa, you know, or something like some yeah. sort of combination yeah. like that. And basically they end up murdering him, you know, through it. It's mm. basically where the assassin is never even, you know, said step foot on the planet. They've literally intercepted the data, manipulated the situation, and basically someone's done the killing for them. Mm. And it, I mean, in a way, it's like the ultimate type of assassination because you know, I said you're not having to get your hands dirty. You can do it from you know a remote location. That's you know, you could do it from a different planet if you you know if you've got the means to do it. It's it's a yeah. really interesting yeah. temple in that sense because you, it's like I said, manipulating situations just sounds really great. Um, mm. Basically, their sort of main operatives are known as info sites. So these are, a com- you know, they're a combination of like a hacker, a manipulator, a calculator. They're sort of basically known as human information engines. You know, yeah, they're very intelligent, you know, in some ways quite a reclusive sort of entity, really. I mean, suppose in some ways, similar to what you'd see in the Adeptus Mechanicus, you know, where they're sort of, they're still human, but they're so data driven, you know, it's sort of, Mm. that's the only thing they focus on. It's very black and white for them. So uh, the other sort of main operatives that you'll see in this particular temple is what's known as the cryptocrats, which they basically, they carry information between the info sites via a sort of combination of encryption and decryption, basically communicating via what's known as the the vanus sanctum or or it can be a, a particular starship so they don't do any any field work at all yeah, so they're basically yeah. like i said carrying the information between these you know these particular operatives that are, that are number crunching <laughs> for <laughs> once for a better word <clears throat> so um sometimes a particular operative of this temple are set what's set in time set to what's known as unbound which mm. basically is the opposite of what they do which is actually going out on the 
in doing direct field work like that that one that's part of the execution force in nemesis mm. that we mentioned the the you know the vanish representative was doing field work very much against their uh, will if you, <laughs> if you yeah. again if you read the novel so yeah so they do this direct field work and basically they do it until the unbound status is lifted um mm. i don't know particularly why like what constitutes them to be unbound i don't i'm not i don't think it's necessarily seen as a punishment or anything like that there's obviously mm. Um, reasons for it but yeah basically the yeah. sometimes you know um, i mean it could be know, things not- like where you have to assassinate this person but you want it to look like an assassination for whatever political reasons yeah and just having them die mysteriously yeah you know like i said they they're, they're like i said they're crunching the numbers they're you know running simulations and things like that so they you know like i said if they feel the situation requires a physical presence they aren't frightened to to send them out either. Yeah. So from a war gear point of view, as you'd imagine, they they got very soft. They use things like subtle augmentations. Um, it's often in the back of the skull um, via memory implants. Mm. They use things also called the net fly swarms, which are these like little tiny mechanical flies that that fly around and they basically extract mm. data from cables so they can do some really cool stuff like they can formulate maps diagrams of the surroundings so they get me basically hacking into the the local systems to you know to draw out diagrams so they can obviously plan whatever they're trying you know their assassination they're trying to do yeah. uh, they also got a cogitator gauntlet which is basically got such things like this is really cool it's got this electro pulse <laughs> projector which you can use to create these hololithic p- p- uh, panes to float on <laughs> it's, oh it's, you know, that's really cool yeah. yeah, it's very like very unexpected, but very cool indeed. And they've got other things like um, eye rats and things like that. So they've got these, you know, they've got sort of direct weapons as such. As you, because again, they're not really a, you know, they're not the ones generally pulling the trigger. So, but you know, they've got stuff to deal with certain situations. And again, if you read Nemesis, um, they are used to defend themselves as well when they tackle spear basically mm, yeah. uh, they got mechadendrites you know to get into to to, okay. to yeah. also uh, interface with different types of tech as well so uh, like all the other clades are you know like I say created as part of the um, the official temple now what they what they often will do as well which is a quite unknown is they also watch they obviously watch over all parts of the imperium but they also mm. watch the other temples as well so like we were saying earlier, where you've got, you know, even the, the High Lords of Terror are not safe from assassins. Even the other temples are looked over by this temple. So it's not, you know, so it's not just, you know, not just the, yeah. the greater picture. They're looking at, you know, in-house as well, which is really cool. Mm. So, but they're, like I said, they're amassing huge amounts of data. Yeah, so yeah. often, so they often target heretics before they come to, to power and prominence. And this is quite a cool sort of quote that i saw as well it's basically it says the cleanest kill is one that another performs in your stead with no knowledge of your of your incitement so mm. yeah that's yeah. it that's basically their plan Fair enough <laughs> someone get someone else to do it yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah very cool temple indeed mm. so um yeah so cameron do you want to do do your next yeah. one all right i'll start with uh, one of the actual major temples i'm going to go with the culexus because they're very cool mm. Um, so these are pariah assassins. They have the one in a billion anti-psyker gene, basically. Um, and they exclusively target psychers and warp entities as opposed to other assassins who can be sent to kill basically anyone. If you're sending a Kalexis to kill someone, they have to be a psyker to get approval, basically. Um, <laughs> and they're about as rare as assassins come. Like, assassins are already fairly rare, but... All the other temples can take basically anyone as long as they're physically fit. 
to be a Calexus, you have to literally be one in a billion statistically with the gene. Uh, and yep. then you still have to survive the it kills one in ten people for the basic, uh, the basic selection training kills one in ten mm-hmm. of the candidates. So you know if there's only a few million prize out throughout the entire Imperium, and most of them aren't cut out to be assassins before the selective training, suddenly you get a very very small number uh, as opposed to other temples which can have quite a few assassins under their control. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, they are, they are, like I said, n- they're nulls or pariahs, depending on how you want to term it, or blanks or untouchables. Uh, they make regular people quite uneasy, as it is. Uh, they are terrifying to psychers before they do anything, you know, just this sort of aura of negativity, effectively. And they are either invisible or very hard to notice for demons in a lot of cases. Um, they're, yeah, they're more or less soulless, uh, and between <laughs> being orphans, having the gene that basically means you're born without a soul, and the assassin training, <laughs> they are very bad at social interaction. Funny <laughs> um, that, isn't it? Yeah, uh, they usually go out in war gear, but occasionally they have to do covert ops and pretend to be a normal person, and their training involves learning standard human behavior so that they can mimic being a normal person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, a Kalidus assassin might learn how to fit into high society or something. A Kalexus has to be taught how to be a normal person. This is how you talk to someone. You have to look them in the eye and then smile. And you can't turn <laughs> your limiter off, because if you turn the limiter off, they'll run away. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and their temple is a very closely guarded secret with its location. It's rumored to be on a planet with no sun beyond the reach of the Astronomican, which makes sense. You wouldn't want them on Terra because they'd be very easy to spot because they'd be this blank spot in psychic communication, basically. <laughs> yeah, true. So yeah. they'd be very obvious. Uh, so yeah, put them somewhere where the, they can't interfere with the Astronomican and where the Astronomican can't interfere with them. Uh, Interestingly enough, a farseer from Craftboard Alitok, uh, for centuries worked to try and find the temple and destroy it. And right before, uh, finally, uh, basically lancing it from orbit with a cruiser, uh, he had a vision that destroying this temple would lead to the destruction of his craft world and called the attack off. So. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know if there's any further story with that, but that's pretty cool. Like got got the Eldar got to the point where they found out where these guys were these horrific anti psycho monsters this you know an Eldar a race of psychers and they went actually no we do need to keep these around for a bit <laughs> <laughs> how nice of them mm. uh, their their equipment uh, uses mostly a device called an Animus Speculum it's basically a psi cannon bolted to their helmet uh, no one knows exactly how the Animus Speculum works but the running theory is that. Because they're nulls, they separate people from their psychic energy, energy, and the animus collects that energy and uses it to fire anti-psycho bolts, basically, because the weapon nice. gets stronger the more people are around them and the more psychers, in particular, are closer to them. Uh, they also... Yeah. yeah go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, in, yeah. again, in Nemesis, the, <laughs> the novel, that sort of there is that sort of charging up process that happens. There's a, there's mm. a point in the novel where they're... That the the Kalexus that's part of the execution force is trying to take out Spear, and like I said, they're trying to sort of charge their shot up, but like, mm. but I think she ends up using it too soon. I can't, I can't again, I can't remember now. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it, it, yeah, it's that sort of concept. It's a really cool thing. It all depends what's around them and how, whether they use it now or they store mm. it up with a bit more energy to make it a bit more, 
you know, a bit more dangerous. It's yeah, it's a really cool weapon. Yeah. Uh they also carry something called an Ethereum, which is basically a device designed to confuse uh people and distort perceptions all around the assassin. So you have the the fact that they're a blank makes you emotionally uncomfortable, and then they flick another switch and suddenly you can't see properly. You know, reality is bending around you, you feel afraid all of a sudden. Uh <laughs> and it makes them almost impossible to target. And I think the rule on the tabletop is you can only hit them on a six, no matter what, <laughs> because they're so yeah. difficult to actually see where they are at that point. Um, their final piece of equipment is a psych out grenade, which will basically pop the head of a psyker if they get caught in the blast, but does absolutely nothing to normal people, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> great. Um, and I think there's a, there's a list of a few notable Calexus uh, assassins, but my favorite definitely has to be Vadrix. So... This was an assassin, a Calexus assassin mind, who was sent into the Eye of Terror to slay a Chaos Lord. <laughs> um, nice. Waited, waited, didn't target the Chaos Lord yet, waited until that Chaos Lord ascended to demonhood inside the Eye of Terror, and right at the moment of the ascension, when he became a demon and became weak to the Calexus's abilities, leaped out from behind a rock or something, I don't know, basically out of hiding, and slew him as he was, you know getting used to his powers which, <laughs> that is amazing yeah that is timing like, <laughs> how, how do we solve this problem we know this guy's going to become a demon and we can't get in there he's in the eye of terror why don't we send the person who the warp literally can't touch and just have him yes. wait until he's perfect good vulnerable. tactics it's so good um and you know as a side note these were the first assassin miniatures i ever saw the really old mm-hmm. ones where they're pointing um <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're pretty cool uh i really really love the new miniature though it's so beautiful <laughs> Really I love menacing. all of the new ones. All oh, the yeah. new ones look fantastic, but it's the, it's probably the mm-hmm. one of the weirdest looking out of the the main four. Well, like yeah, this big hell head and <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the speculum. It's this massive piece of headgear. You're like, how does he not break his neck every time he moves? Well, <laughs> I know, that's what I think <laughs> he's an assassin. He has a massively strong neck. Clearly, of course, <laughs> absolutely. All right, Quite all that training. Yeah, it's, that's what they do. They train him in languages, <laughs> survival, and uh, neck muscles. Yeah. So- <laughs> Right, so let's yeah, let's move on to the next one, the major four. So uh, yeah, I'll do the the Vindicare, mm-hmm. which is uh, quite an interesting. It's probably one of the most well known of uh, of all of them. It's oh, yeah. the one you'd expect. It's the the sniper based temple. So yeah, so basically, it's a, yeah, a temple of cold, calculated snipers that you know again are used to take down uprising cult leaders, warlords. You know, basically all all with a timed bullet. So yeah, these are you know your stereotypical. You know, like I said, sniper-based assassin that you know just does is there for ages, doing mm. waiting in waiting for the right moment to pull the trigger. So yeah, the, again, like we said before, all the different temples are used for different situations. So yeah, this is the 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 assassin you'll definitely see along with one of the other ones that's mm. definitely used for taking out like a single, you know, like a like a warlord, like a cult leader. Yeah. This is yeah. predominantly so rather than some sort of you know gang leader or something. This is the one that they'll you know where. By taking out the leader, the whole, you know, operation mm. underneath will crumble. This is what, you know, this is where the, the Vindicari comes in very handy. So, <clears throat> so yeah, like I alluded to a minute ago, 
they you know they're basically known to stay in the same same position for ages like even mm. weeks at a time you know just to get that perfect shot and you know even in even through a crowd if if needs be they mm. and they they've actually they can actually train themselves or have trained themselves just say where they can slow their heartbeat down to a minimum so they literally mm. just that all the energy they're using is just to be you know just be aware waiting for like i said waiting for that right moment to take the shot and again as part of that they're sort of part of their training they have no r- real emotion i mean obviously that probably applies to most of the assassins but particularly the vindicare ones as well mm. that because obviously because you know their whole premise is pulling a trigger of a sniper they can't have emotion they can't have any remorse they can't have any hesitation or anything like that if you know they've been waiting like i said up to you know potentially weeks for this one moment they can't think they can't sort of second guess because otherwise they're well, they're useless. Ultimately, they yeah. just wouldn't be able to do their yeah. job. So, you know, but ultimately, that makes them perfect by the for the job by, like I said, by them being emotionless. Mm. So, they're basically their main. You know, as I've alluded to, they use a sniper rifle, which is known as the uh, the Exodus rifle, which is basically mm. created by the ad um, by the Admec uh, Magos artisans, and it's and it's unique to the user. So you know, similar to people that like Judge Dredd, you know, you got your, you got your, um, what's it, Lawgiver? Is that the name of the gun? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, yeah, similar sort of thing. You know, it's built, you know, with their their prints in mind, and it's built purposely to that particular one as well. So, uh, and I mean, and this is no ordinary sniper rifle. It can basically mm. it can penetrate armor with specialized ammo. It's got heavy gravity alloys and a telescopic sight as well. So this is mm. like this is the sniper rifle of all sniper rifles, basically. <laughs> so again, talking about ammo, you've got things like you've got the shield breaker rounds, which, as you imagine, overloads force fields. You've yeah. got the turbo penetrator rounds, which is like this basically this two stage to punch second round so yeah so it's two stage it punches the second round in which then blows through and pierces mm. the armor basically um and so the other main one they use is what's known as hellfire rounds which when it when it hits its target so you, it sort of uh, these toxins come out which basically burn the target to ash so mm. so yeah so they got some they got some nasty weaponry or nasty <laughs> ammo i should say um also in cahoots with the uh, Exodus rifle, we've got the Exodus pistol, which is basically mm-hmm. its little smaller counterpart. Uh, it's basically used as a backup weapon. It can use the same ammo as the sniper rifle, but as you would imagine, it's used in mm. sort of more close combat situations or, if, you know, if the Vindicare's been backed into a corner or, or something like that. Um, mm. <clears throat> also, as part of its war gear and one of its, I think one of the coolest things it's got is its spy mask, which is yeah. basically this, this, this neural jacked, bit of equipment that's yeah, neural jacked into its brain which sends data straight in so it's got like thermal imagery it's got trajectory of the bullets you know so again mm. similar to what the um i suppose space marines have with all their all specs and things like that so yeah yeah as you'd imagine it's key to obviously for the assassin to do its job um and it's even what's really cool as well is that the the two sort of sides those little canisters on the side end up containing like things like food and water and things like that mm. so if they're mm. caught in a situation where obviously they're doing they're playing the long game and they uh, they need a food and supplies they can sort of you know disconnect one of these little canisters and it i said turns into a little survival pack which mm. is really cool and again, the other thing, like similar to the other assassins, it's got a stealth suit, which is basically this combination of, of sin skin, which is basically this sort of sprayed on mm. black armor, which can reflect blows. And Inquisitors use it as well, yeah, quite often, yeah. as we found out in um, Imperata, <laughs> didn't we? Mm. And and it's combined with basically a chameleon like uh, sort of tech technology that you would imagine. Mm. So yeah, that's basically what their stealth suit is. 
so yeah so that's the the vindicare cool cool um let's go in direct opposition <laughs> literally the exact opposite would be <laughs> the would be the eversaw temple um mm-hmm. <laughs> which are honestly probably the most well-known temple simply because you can't hide the goddamn evidence of these guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah, so while the Vindicare special, or oh, Vindicare specializes in taking out a single target, you know, waiting patiently for weeks, they're deployed specially, they're, you know, they're dropped far away, kilometers, tens of kilometers away to make a single perfect shot. Uh, the Eversaw comes riding in on a drop pod filled with cocaine and just kills everything <laughs> within a five mile radius. <laughs> <So true. laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to read their temple motto because it's amazing. Their temple motto is, fear me, for I am your apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Straight into the point, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they're about the most gruesome products of the official Sassanorum. (laughs) They're basically a drug-crazed psychopath uh, who's undergone about, you know, two dozen different experimental surgical procedures to enhance their physical strength and their reaction times and their brain capacity. (laughs) Um, And they give them... (laughs) You know, give them some gear, they ship them off, and they're all good to go. Um, no, uh, essentially, they uh, they use a lot of hormonal and uh, hypnosis techniques to amplify state of mind and emotion in them. So, you know, their desire to serve the Imperium becomes this suicidal fanaticism, and their dislike or hatred of their enemy suddenly becomes a raging fire of anger that allows them to, you know, destroy basically anything in their path. Uh, they're about as unsubtle as you get. Uh, they d- they ensure that the enemy's entire command structure is destroyed by not leaving a single living thing within, you know, however far of where they're dropped, essentially. Uh, they, they, unlike a lot of other assassins which are built to be these perfect killers, sort of are really imperfect and unstable. They're basically, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah, uh, they're built to strain the literal limits of human biology. Um, one of their most important implants is a hyperimmune system implant which basically keeps their entire body in balance as long as their brain or one of their two hearts is working they get a second heart just like space marines of course mm-hmm. um and b- basically they are continually pumped full of a cocktail of combat drugs to enhance speed reaction times strength endurance uh and they are trained with these constantly to the point where without them they will die uh so the solution to this is Unlike all the other temples where the assassins get to walk around and train and spend time with their colleagues in between missions, uh, Eversaws are kept in stasis. Um, and, you know, they, they might go hundreds of years between deployments, but for them, they wake up, they kill something, they go to sleep. They wake up, they kill something, they go to sleep. Uh, and they don't know how much time is passing. You know, it's not important for them to know. All they need to know <laughs> is, I'm here, if I can see something, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> And then, you know, then the operators are going to come, they're going to put me to sleep again, and then I'm going to wake up again and kill something else tomorrow, or in a thousand (laughs) years' time. They have these massive lifespans, surprisingly enough, because if they're not needed, they just stay in stasis the entire time. You know, there are are Eversaurs who've lived literally hundreds of years, uh, despite the fact that they're the most unstable and most easily killed of all the assassins, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, now the real issue with this um, is if the brain or the heart stop working, the hyper the hyperimmune system implant also stops working, and all those combat drugs, a lot of them aren't organic in nature. They're, a lot of them are synthetic or just straight up different chemicals, and they react 
explosively as soon as they're not kept in check. And so this is basically the last failsafe for an Eversol, is if you manage to kill it, it explodes with acid, um, yep. which is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Eversaurs are aware of this, and if things are going poorly, they basically get as close to their target as they can and then kill themselves because yep. they'll blow up and probably kill their target in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they do, however, get some pretty good war gear. Uh, they get an executioner pistol, a power weapon, and a neuro gauntlet. So the executioner pistol is a bolt pistol. Uh, it's basically a combi weapon. It's a bolt pistol with a needle pistol on the bottom. So you get your usual, it's a bolt pistol. It explodes everything that looks in the rough direction of it. And then you have the needle pistol. It's horrifically poisonous and dead silent as well if you need to start the slaughter off quietly, I guess. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, they also get melter bombs in case someone tries to hide in a bunker. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, like, that's their job is you drop them on the most heavily fortified position and watch it burn to the ground over the course of a couple of minutes effectively mm. um the neuro gauntlet is, is interesting it's basically a glove with a whole bunch of needles on the fingertips uh that can be used to administer drugs or uh, electric shocks and basically mess with an opponent's nervous system to make them an easier prey for the power weapon which is a normal power weapon usually it's a giant combat knife um <laughs> and you know uh they, they do pretty well for themselves um <laughs> Uh, there, there's been a few incidents. Uh, for example, uh, you'll remember I mentioned Draken Vangerich, the Grand Master of Assassins who killed all the High Lords of Terror. Um, when the rest of the Imperium noticed what had happened, basically a, a select force of Space Marines from three different chapters, uh, one of which was the Imperial Fists, were sent to deal with the problem and kill him. Uh, they basically got to the Officio Assassinorum Temple on Terror, and a hundred Eversaur Assassins were waiting for them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and one Space Marine survived to manage to break through and kill Vangerich. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should say that, because, like, in again, in Nemesis, mm. the Eversaw assassin that's part of the execution force, I mean, he, mm. he is, as you would imagine, again, I was listening to the audiobook, and he's there. Uh, He's like literally just raging all the time. He's like, just oh, let yeah. me out because I want to kill. That's what that she's doing mm. that all the time. And he and one of the things he says to the other assassins, he's like, "I really want to kill a space marine." <laughs> that's just I mean, like yeah. one of the things, he, which he sort of pretty much does, you know, mm. without spoiling things. But yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> they're just they're just cool, and I like the fact they are very similar to a space marine as well in some mm. ways. Like I said they're using yeah. bolt and power weapons. They've got two hearts. You know, yeah. they are a, a, a shock trooper, aren't they? Really, they're not mm. a hidden behind the scenes oh, things. No. Again, similar to no. marines, just. But you know, but different in its own way right. as well. They're really, yeah, yeah. Can, favorite can, assassin. Yeah, you can write a Vindicara off as a stray like tank, anti-tank round or something, hitting the commander in the head somehow. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna realize something's up if after you fight the battle, you go back behind enemy lines and there's just a mess of like juice <laughs> and burning Prometheum. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's all that's left of the entire command structure. You're going to, you're going to like look through like something tore through this adamantine door on its <laughs> own with like a claw of some kind. Oh, look, someone's used a melter bomb here. <laughs> this man has become a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, Bail. And cool. Yeah, and honestly, the most successful, uh, <laughs> the most successful uh, Eversaw assassin is probably—I uh, don't know if they actually have a name. 
they might never have been named, but one managed to basically kill the leader of the Tau Empire, I believe. Hmm. Um, you know, he basically was getting shot to death, ran up and exploded all over the ethereal. <laughs> <laughs> Stylish. <laughs> Stylish. Um, someone please correct me if that's wrong and it wasn't actually the ethereal supreme and just a random ethereal but I like to think that the Imperium was like you know what we will deal with this tower problem we'll just drop an Eversaur on them it'll be fine Uh (laughs) amazing (laughs) which those poor fire warriors that's all I'm going to say I know know. (laughs) they're not trained for close combat No, they're not. And imagine how they would even deal with something like that. Like I said, the Taos mm. wouldn't. <laughs> oh, that is such a great combination. Oh yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Right. Yeah. Let's let's um, let's finish off with the last of the main temples, mm. which is which Cameron mentioned before, which is the Kalidus Temple. Mm. So this is yeah, this is the most cunning and deceptive of all the temples. Uh, basically, used to take out targets without them even knowing, which I suppose. It's the well. same for a few of the others as well, but <laughs> predominantly. Um, yeah. they, their sort of main thing that they use is something called polymorphine, uh, which is basically mm. a shape-shifting drug to change their appearance, to infiltrate for days, to even years, to get to their target. Now, so this is, as you can imagine, this is the sort of assassin that, say, they need to get close to, again, a, a you know, a cult leader or a warlord or something mm. like that. They want to get as close to him as possible. And, I, you know, and, and what they will often do is they'll, they'll start off as one of the sort of grunt troops. Say it was on a spaceship, for example. They'll start mm. off as one of those, you know, kill the, kill the, the particular grunt, take over from it, then we'll move up, you know, and basically go higher and higher up the chain until the point where they're within, you know, you know, spitting distance of the of their target, basically they could be the they, you know, and often end up being in, you know the second in command. So you know, to obviously at the right moment, will take out this particular you know target, basically. Um, so again, they use a shape shifting drug to do that. You know, it will basically mm. take the form of whatever they choose it to be. I mean, they can take the form of even uh, Xenos, like orcs and things like that. I think in some mm. cases they have to have certain surgery to be able to i think in the case of like gene stealers and things like that i think they have to or gene stealer cults i should say they have to have some sort of surgery on top of the shape-shifting drug but yeah they can basically become whatever they want to be and because of that that they found that the drug works particularly better with female operatives Mm. as well that's why Mm. you'll see that pretty much all kalidas assassins are female yeah so they're they're really they're really cool assassin so they they often you know will take out and what they often have a habit of doing is taking out warlords in the heat of battle to mm. to add to the confusion so you like i said you've got this scenario like i just explained so they've you know they're second in command to this warlord mm. and you know the warlord gives out his command to the troops and like yeah go and attack them over there and then what they're not looking boom in they go take them out <laughs> and then what they'll often sometimes do which is even cooler is they will then take over as the target that they've just killed as well. Mm. So shift the body off. Where's second in command gone? Oh, don't know, governor. I'm, I'm the guy in charge now. So, <laughs> and then we'll, you know, and then can obviously cause more, you know, in, in fact can cause more trouble or we'll use it to obviously escape the scene basically. So they can, and because of like I was saying, they can become various Xenos races. They can change mm. gender as well. If that, if the situation requires it mm. and, from a war gear point of view, they do have various war gear, but what you are, they often find is they end up using the weapon that's appropriate for the role that they're playing. So again, if they're, you know, a particular, again, second in command to this warlord, if they're using, 
you know, power swords and yeah. and auto pistols. That's what they'll have on them because if they use their own weapons, it, they would stand out <laughs> naturally. Exactly. So yeah. it wouldn't work. So yeah, so they they tend to use whatever's needed, and again, that's part of their training. But they do have their own war gear. One of the coolest things they have is what's known as the phase sword. Basically, mm. this is this Necron tech sword that shifts in and out of reality to get through armor, which just mm. sounds amazing. It is one of the coolest weapons you'll see. Um, and again, they tend their war gear tends to be minimal stuff again because of the fact they're often using what their t- mm. or what who they are should be using. So they'll have you know th- standard things like poison blades, which is basically like a secret backup poison needle weapon they've got uh, a neural shredder this is quite a cool weapon this is sort of their main main sort of gun it basically fires an electromagnet map getting words out fires an electromagnetic (laughs) wave towards the target it then overloads the nervous system which then causes things like seizures and things like that it will then eventually knock them out and then kill them so Mm. but obviously because of that it's only good against like things like a living target so yeah. But, but the advantage is it ignores armor because it doesn't, it just goes right through it. So, which is really, really cool. Mm. Um, and probably the most notable of all the Kalidas assassins is one called M. Shen, which mm. is a particular assassin that managed to kill a Primarch <laughs> of all yeah. things, which was yeah. uh, Conrad Kurz of yeah. the, uh, you know, so of the, you know, so it, it's of the Night Lords. <laughs> it's, it's, that's what I was trying to say. The, I mean, it's a bit of a weird situation because, if you read the actual story behind it, Kurz basically let the assassin kill him because it was to prove yeah. a point that, yeah. you know, the emperor was, you know, corrupt, well, corrupt or had different way of looking at things. And obviously mm. by him being killed, it justified his cause. But yeah, you know, again, yeah. that's a whole different story. So, yeah. So again, they're again, as you can see with all these different temples, they're basically used for, you know, they've, pretty much got most situation covered you know you've got a sniper type you've got one that can shape shift and and get behind the scenes you've got one that can go in and mm. cause loads of terror you can get one that yeah. poisons you get one that kills by uh by you know um di- changing the situation you've got only got one that you know is particularly against anti-psychers and things like that so you know it's yeah you know it's yeah. they've got a wide range of tools and temples to deal with it so oh yeah exactly yeah. Is there anything you wanted to add, Cameron? Uh, they're very cool. Give us Codex Imperial <laughs> yeah, Agents, you cowards. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they they are. Like I said, they, I mean, I think most people know about the Assassins, but it's quite cool actually to know about mm. the actually what they're capable of doing, what their techniques oh, yeah. are, what their war gear is. And I mean, for me, they've always, ever since I, you know, when I started this hobby, when I was a kid, I loved mm. the, you know, the old, even the old miniatures are fantastic. I used to love, I mean, the ever sort of thing I said when we did that um, episode with Dan about when we were talking about 40 K and I was saying, what's your, you know, I asked you and, and him, what are your, mm. like your memorable miniatures are, you know, that yeah. you absolutely love. And ever saw for me, was always, and even oh, the newer yeah. one is just, fantastic but all of them all of them are really cool they are all, and they really and they all look really unique as well which is what i really love about them so yeah so that's been an overview of the officio assassinorum so i hope you've enjoyed that and with that we'll now wrap up the show as like i said yeah. earlier we're not going to have a discussion topic because <laughs> it's well, already be honest, so we had a lot of news yeah <laughs> <laughs> and my voice is starting to go <laughs> so yeah so like i said we'll just do the usual wrap up um one thing we'll add before we do the usual stuff is we did mention, or I did mention towards the start, is that we are looking to do a giveaway soon um, yeah. as of this recording. Hooray! Because we've da, hit da, da, da. 
Da, da, da. So not only are we giving you entertainment, we're giving you physical, physical products goods. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we recently hit a landmark download uh, amount that we were really proud of hitting, and you know we mm. thought, you know what, well, let's 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 give back. So you know, as of this, re- tell them what it is. Oh, you, uh, well, you can't well, leave them on the hook like that. Well, you know, it's because it's we've been talking about the assassins and, and secretive <laughs> side of things. I was like, oh. I was in that mode. So yeah, so basically we've got the core book for <laughs> Age of Sigmar uh, mm. to give away, basically a brand new sealed copy of it. Mm. So, you know, for one one lucky person that could win this. So yeah, so basically the idea is, and we'll put more details out on our different channels, i.e. Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and things like that. So basically the plan we've got is to be in a chance to to win this is that we were asking people to basically take a, a model of their choice anything could be you know uh 40k age sigma necromander whatever it is a, a lord warhammer model yeah lord of the rings yeah yeah so basically yeah. anything that you know that you see on on games workshop basically so take a particular model it could be you know a little thing big thing whatever you want it to be and to basically paint it <laughs> in the color scheme of our podcast which is black mm blue and white predominantly i mean you can add other things like leather yeah. and things like that if the model dictates it but you know so an actual primary color scheme of those three mm. particular colors and then once you've done that model uh post it on you know on our twitter or our, our facebook or on our discord or things like that or you can you know email it to us if you send it via the contact thing on our page anything you know basically any way mm. you can communicate with us send us a picture of it and then basically once we've collected them all we'll so in as part of this giveaway, we'll and we'll give you the details of how long you know you've got. Basically, we'll give you a little while to do it because obviously, yeah. it's not always a five minute job. So yeah, mm-hmm. once you've got your miniature, take a picture of it, send you know, let us know about it. We'll collect them all, and then basically we'll go through them, and we'll, we'll probably do where you know we'll run a poll to sort of see what people find is the favorite, and then basically whatever's one is considered the favorite will win mm. the uh, core rule uh, core book from Age of Sigma and yeah. say thank you all for you know for supporting us in this uh <laughs> on this podcast so yeah so that's so so keep like i said as of this recording it will the information of this will be out within a week or so of this because obviously mm-hmm. i know people take a little while to may take a while to get around to to, <laughs> to listening to this episode so yeah so be on the lookout and again it'll be on one of our channels so again talking of our channels uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Realm and Ruin. Uh, you can find it on Facebook at facebook.com slash Realm and Ruin. Or again, as we always plug our Discord, we've got some fantastic people where we talk about Warhammer and all sorts of other things. The link will be in the episode description. So go check that out if you already haven't. Uh, if you've got a spare few minutes, uh, if you would love to go on to itunes and give us a a five-star review it'd be greatly appreciated because again it gets people out there um as of this Mm. recording actually uh, we're also now on spotify as well so if you if spotify is your Mm. choice of listening to podcasts and and music again you can check us out on this show on there as well um we as we've said before when it comes to things like guesting if anyone would like to be a guest on this show hit us up again on all these different ways of communicating with us we've got a few yeah. guests lined up for a few other shows so in the next sort of couple of months look out for that um and yeah i think that's it really um so yeah cameron where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on the twitter at night underscore twin that's night without a k um Come for breakdowns over Australian politics, because Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
dog, guys, please. I can't wait to vote all these nut jobs out. <laughs> Hopefully this November. Right, okay. Uh, otherwise, we're going to start getting speed freaky in this country again. Oh, <laughs> speed freaky. <laughs> 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 nice uh you can find me also on twitter <laughs> at ninja badger seven again feel free to talk but again predominantly the warhammer stuff is on our realm and yeah. ruin twitter as well so mm-hmm. as always <laughs> thank you very much for your support thank you very much for you know getting us to this sort of download mark that we were speaking about in the giveaway you know we love you guys we hope you love what we do we're going to carry on with this and uh, mm-hmm. we'll catch you on the next episode bye bye bye